instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. That's right, Gotham's Reckoning indeed. My Take Radio episode 148 for Thursday, July 26th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number is 347-324-3541. If you want to hit up our feedback line, that number is 347-815-0687. 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got a ton of stuff going on for this week's show. We're going to be joined by Ben for our MMA segment. Blade and Quark are coming in to talk about Raw 1000. They may even stick around for the gaming segment. We got your movie news. We got some What the Fuck TV news. We got a lot to discuss. So let's just jump right into the housekeeping first. Our Facebook fan page has been extremely active this week, especially on Monday nights with Raw, uh, myself, Slick, Andrea, the rest of the MTR staff, just sharing their thoughts throughout the evening of uh, different things that occurred during the Raw broadcast. I'm very happy to see so many of you guys interacting uh, together and also with us on the fan page. It's it's very cool to see. Um, we were supposed to be testing out a Google Live uh, hangout today for the show, and I was going to actually do that today, but... I was testing it, and for some reason, it only allows 10 people to be in the room at once. So I decided until I get all the bugs worked out, I did not want to simulcast with that. But that's something that we will be doing in the near future. I was trying to figure out a way to do it for Raw on Monday night. But again, that 10 user limit is definitely a a hindrance when it comes to live Google Hangouts. Um, If we can work a way around that, consider it something that will become the norm until then we'll just keep doing what we're doing with the facebook fan page in some other news i finally got our back ordered capture card from elgato um hopefully we should be set up next week once i come back from a trip i'm taking this weekend we should have that set up as well and we'll be doing a couple of live streams and we may be even doing some video reviews 
using that particular piece of hardware going forward. I'm trying to pin down exactly what we're going to do with it, how we're going to record the audio. Uh, right now I'm looking at uh, capturing the gameplay first and recording the audio track afterwards or possibly playing the game and then recording the audio to uh, my Zoom H2. So that's something that once the bugs are worked out, you're going to start seeing more of that on our Facebook fan page and also on our YouTube channel. For those of you that don't know, MTR is on YouTube. Just look for youtube.com forward slash TV. You can look for us there. I know I haven't been mentioning it as much, but I'm sure a lot of you guys are on YouTube constantly. So if you want to get access to some of our stuff, make sure to subscribe via the youtube.com forward slash TV. Also, if you're on Google+, Plus, uh, we're trying to add more stuff there. Make sure to add us. Just add us to your circle. Look for My Take Radio on Google+. Plus. We are on there as well. We're trying to also do some more stuff with Instagram, uh, more show-related stuff as opposed to personal stuff. So, uh, Rich underscore MTR, if you want to hit me up on Instagram and see cat pictures and toys and all kinds of crazy shit, that's where you go for that. In some other news, we will be debuting a brand new sponsor for our gaming segment next week. Um, the formal announcement will be released probably via press release uh, this probably this weekend, maybe when I get back Sunday or Monday. A really great company called Creaction working on an RPG called Auravim, and you're going to see a lot of cool stuff uh, included in our mobile apps, on our Facebook fan page, and also on the site as well. Um, I'm very, very happy to be working with these guys. They have a very motivated crew that wants to work with us hand-in-hand to get their message out there. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Officially, they will start working with us for the August 2nd show. That's going to be episode 149. In addition to that, I just got confirmation that the guys from Darksiders will be joining us for episode 150. Very happy to be welcoming those guys back, especially because they've been such a huge part of the show at, at different milestones. Uh, some of our earlier episodes, right around the time of our 100th episode, they they popped in as well. And now for Darksiders 2, which will be coming out August 14th, it's going to be awesome for them to be here for the 150th episode of MTR, which is a big milestone. I'm very proud of that. Um, hopefully, we're going to cross that threshold and give you guys 150 more uh, with tons of other enhancements going forward. So very happy for that. So that's some guest news for this week. Obviously, at the top of the broadcast, you heard that you can listen to MTR via Stitcher. Make sure to go to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you can get the Stitcher app for your iOS and Android devices. No need to sync any MP3s. You'll be able to stream the episodes of MTR directly from the Stitcher app. Of course, worst case, you can get higher quality sound from our uh, Android and iOS apps. Those are $1.99 in the Android and MT and oops in the Android and iOS, excuse me, marketplace. I wish it was the MTR store. But if you want some MTR t-shirts, you can definitely hit up the MTR store. I also want to take a moment and thank a lot of you that have been doing your Amazon shopping through the MTR store. Uh, we appreciate it very much. For those of you that don't know, the Amazon MTR store uses the same reliable services of Amazon all the time. But it helps out MTR. It's a bit of an affiliate program. Um, any games, movies, stuff we talk about on air, stuff we review, that's the stuff that you will be seeing in the Amazon affiliate store. Any purchases you do through there do help out the show. Um, 
it's nothing crazy, but again, a lot of the stuff we talk about is in the affiliate store. So if you are a huge Amazon shopper, go through our store, give us an assist there because we'll be able to give you guys uh, cooler and better stuff due to our partnership with Amazon. Again, just a quick reminder about that for those of you that are new listeners, which over the last couple of days, a lot of different listeners have reached out asking about all the different things that the show does, including that the Amazon affiliate store is one, our MTR t-shirts as well. Make sure to click the tab on mytakeradio.com. And also I did want to announce uh, starting next week, we're going to be setting up a full on application for those of you that are interested in submitting guest posts. I've been getting a lot of emails the last two weeks about people wanting to submit guest posts for the site. Um, Some people are doing it to promote their own product, which is fine. As long as the content is relevant to MTR, I have no issue with that. Um, but you will need to fill out a questionnaire. I am letting you know in advance that MTR reserves the right to edit your post as it sees fit um, to tie in with the flow of the site. I only say that because a couple of people tried to sneak some links in there that I really could not co-sign to, so I had to doctor up their posts a little bit just to make it look more streamlined and more fresh. Just something I want to let you know if you're interested in submitting Uh, Some guest posts, be on the lookout for that form next week. Um, There's going to be a new advertising form set up as well, and a guest inquiry form. A lot of people seem to be using that as a way to contact us for um, guest posts. So please, if you are interested in being a guest, only use that form. There's going to be a separate application set filled out, uh, set up for those of you that want to submit guest posts going forward. And as always, if you have any questions, Make sure to email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or hit up Slick or Andrea um, or Blade and Quark, any of the any of us that are around, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, um, and we'll help you out as best as we can and we'll direct you uh, the, into the right places to get your stuff out there. So I figured I'd get that out of the way. We've got tons of new content on mytakeradio.com. We got uh, Dark Knight reviews from me and Slick or from Slick and I, however you want to hear that. Um, We have Amazing Spider-Man review from Slick. He also put up a review for Ted. We got some comic stuff that went up as well. And there's going to be some new content coming up later on this evening and early tomorrow. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, I will be out of town. So Slick has the keys to the kingdom um, in terms of stuff that's going to be going up on the site and on the fan page. So be on the lookout for content from Slick as well. For those of you that enjoy our interview series, MTR Behind the Mic, make sure to check out our interview with Srini Rao from Blogcast FM. That's the newest MTR Behind the Mic episode that is available on the app and also on iTunes. It will be published on the site this week. We had to uh, get with Srini to get some art to go with the post, so that's going to be on the site as well. All right, let's get into tonight's topics. Of course, we got some MMA with Ben. We're going to talk about the faber Barrow card. We're going to talk about the light heavyweight division. We're going to talk a little bit about Invicta. I want to definitely chat about what happened with Bellator. So we'll be discussing that at length. Blade and Quark are going to be joining us to discuss the 1000th episode of Raw. We got some wrestling news. Gaming news are a bit of are, are a bit on the lighter side. Obviously, it's the summer, but we got some stuff to discuss there. And we have your movie news. But before I get into all that, I did want to go into this week's monologue, and of course, we all know the tragedy that happened in Aurora, Colorado. Um, Guy came in into a showing of the Dark Knight, uh, shot up 59 people, I believe 12 of them died. 
uh, guys like a raging lunatic house was wired with booby traps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not going to rehash that entire portion com- because you guys have probably seen it on every channel, every blog, every newspaper. There's no necessity to dig into the details of that tragedy. It, it was fucked up. And the worst part of it all is that it's now going to be always associated with this film. Um, the, the problem with that is that one only had to do with the other based on circumstance. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because when a negative event happens around a movie or a show, um, those items will be re- will remain linked for a long time. There's no way around it. And that's really the, the sad part of this. I know a lot of people were talking about um, the effects it had on them going to the movies and um, the various movies that are supposed to be coming out in theaters are needing to be edited because of scenes showing gunfire, etc., etc., etc. So, I got a couple of things that have been bugging me about this entire situation. Number one, those of you that blame pretty much politicians, special interest groups, our government, you're, you're fucking idiots. That's the easiest way to put it. I've seen people go out and say that, you know, the Obama administration orchestrated this to um, build a platform for gun control. I've seen people say that this is a wake-up call for people to be armed at all times. Just all the typical political special interest bullshit that comes out when situations like this happen. Here's how I see it. Let's say that you had the right to carry your own weapon. All right, fine. You're in, your, you're in the movie... You're watching the movie in the dark. A guy comes in, opens fire. You pull out your gun. You open fire. Maybe you shoot the guy. Maybe you don't. Maybe you accidentally wound somebody because it's completely pitch black in there. Maybe you don't. What is that accomplishing? Nothing. Besides the fact that nobody woke up that morning thinking, hey, I'm going to go to the movies and get shot today. So to utilize that as a platform for anti-gun control or for... um reinforcing the right to bear arms it's really a a hollow argument the way i see it is if you were carrying and the guy would have broke in and you would have seen him and you would have shot maybe you would have got lucky and you would have shot the guy before anybody would have died maybe your ass would have got shot first that's the way i see it you know it's it's not about it's not about who pulls first it's about whose bullet hits who Simple as that. You could both walk in and draw at the same time, and if the guy pulls the trigger before you even pull your gun out, it won't mean shit. But people are actually going out of their way to, to tie all these these incidents into, like I said, political agendas, uh, people talking about... Uh, I was waiting for people to really go into blaming video games, but luckily most of the stuff that was, that was mentioned on the video game front was really casual, uh, really regular shit. Which is to be expected, like I said, from people that just talk out of their ass. It was a traumatic, terrible, and unfortunate event. Um, I couldn't, I, you know, I gotta commend Christian Bale for coming out, visiting all the people that got shot. Um, whether he came out based on the Twitter campaign or whether he came out based on just people talking about it, the fact is he went out of his way to do it. He didn't have the studio co-signed to it. He went on his own, and it, it spoke volumes of him as a, as a human being. Facts are facts. The other thing I did want to mention 
in regards to this was something that our friends at Film Drunk published. And that is the fact that somebody that was a victim in the Aurora shooting already filed a lawsuit. I can't even believe this. There's already been a lawsuit filed regarding this shooting, which is insane. Anyway, and I got to give full credit to Film Drunk to share this because it's in, it's it boggles my mind that it's already gone down. Anyway, basically what happened is uh, one of the people that was there, uh, Torrance Brown Jr., um, one of one of Brown's best friends, A.J. Boyk, was shot in the chest and he died. Brown was there but was not injured, but he is claiming in his suit that he is now suffering from extreme trauma. Uh, the attorney that was hired was Donald Carpell. Uh, Carpell already spoke with TMZ and he said that he is targeting three defendants in his lawsuit, which is insane. Number one, he is blaming the theater. Carpell claims it was negligent for the theater to have an emergency door in the front that was not alarmed or guarded. It's widely believed Holmes entered the theater with a ticket, propped the emergency door open from the inside, went to his car, and returned with guns. The other defendant that he's targeting, Holmes Doctors. Carpell says it appears that Holmes was on several medications prescribed by one or more doctors. At the time of the shooting, he believes the doctors did not properly monitor Holmes. And number three, of course, uh, he wants to blame Warner Brothers. The reason being that The Dark Knight Rises was a particularly violent film and Holmes mimics some of the action. The attorney says theater goers were helpless because they thought the shooter was part of the movie. Carpell went on to tell TMZ somebody has to be responsible for the rampant violence that is shown today. See, this guy is a fucking vulture. I don't give a shit. You are a vulture. And the fact that this guy's talking about extreme trauma and suing already, the shit, the shit hasn't even, the, the, the paint hasn't even dried. You know, the blood, the blood hasn't even been cleaned in the theater and you are already suing. That's, that's a separate case in itself. It, let, let's talk about the three defendants. He wants to cite the theater saying that the theater was negligent for having an emergency door that wasn't alarmed or guarded. Now, there is a there is a point to his argument there. There is a slight point. But I will tell you this. I worked in a movie theater uh, for three years, actually two years, and I was an usher. One of the things that we were tasked with doing was going into the movie theater and doing a theater check at the start of the movie, at the halfway point, and close to the end. We'd walk down each aisle with a flashlight, make sure there were no kinds of sh- no, no shenanigans, you know, people having sex in the theater, smoking weed, etc., etc. We'd walk all the way down to the end walk to the emergency exits, make sure they were closed, walk back up the aisle, and leave. Like I said, three times we'd do it, we'd sign a mark sheet at the out, on the outside of the theater and go about our business. Now, here's the, here's the crazy part with regards to that. Say the guy walked in, saw the movie, right after he saw the usher come in, he went out the emergency door because he knew the usher wasn't going to come back. That could have happened. Maybe the usher came and did it, but the guy managed to doctor the, to, to maintain the door, to keep the door open by maybe just putting a piece of paper in the, in the clasp of the door, which you couldn't see anyway. The door would appear closed, but it wouldn't be. I, you know, there, there's so many different factors that you can go into and to say the theater was negligent. Maybe that was the case. Maybe it wasn't, but I know enough theaters that don't monitor the, emergency doors with alarms because kids always set those alarms off to let their friends in 
or they sneak into a movie theater and don't want to get bagged, run out, set off the alarm, disrupting all the movies in the theater, this shit happens on the regular. Uh, there were there were plenty times where we had two doors, one on the left, one on the right. One had an alarm, one didn't. But there'd always be some asshole that would run out the door with an alarm, either because they snuck in and didn't want to get caught, or they just wanted to be complete assholes and ruin everybody's movie. Now, if you've been to the movies, you know that as soon as that fire alarm goes off, it doesn't matter what part of the movie you're in, what's going on, you gotta get up and clear out until a fire department comes and you'll waste an hour Sometimes 45 minutes to an hour waiting to go back in. So there's a ton of factors there. Maybe he's onto something, maybe he's not. But to jump on the case of the theater so quickly is fucked up. Regarding the doctors, sure, the guy maybe needed to be monitored. But you can only monitor crazy but so far. Maybe they gave him medication to keep him calm and from going fucking nuts. Who's to say the guy even took the medication? Who's to say that the guy had premeditated this for a long time? People are going as far as, you know, various reports are going as far as saying that he's been planning this for months with a manifesto and everything set up. Not only that, but his original plan, according to the Daily, was that he was supposed to drive up here to New York and kill the actors at the premiere of the movie. That was his plan. The only reason he didn't do it was because he felt cops were on to him. I don't. Again, this is all speculation and various news outlets are reporting different things, but that's insane all the same. You know, the guy's going to drive up here, shoot the cast at the at the New York premiere and just cause a complete bloodbath there. And because he realized that he would the cops were on to him, he decided I'm just going to shoot up this theater full of innocent people. Moving into number three, you're going to blame Warner Brothers because the movie was particularly violent. Once again, this is a complete pussy move on this guy's part. Every film, any superhero film has its fair share of violence. Yes, the Dark Knight had a... The Dark Knight people got shot. uh, They got their necks broken. All kinds of shit. But you know what? It's no different than any other movie that's out there. You want to talk about movies inciting violence? We can talk about The Expendables. Super violent. We can talk about that. Um, Even Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Super violent. There was blood there. There were people getting hatchets to the face. Seriously, this is a complete cash grab by this guy. Not to say that the other guy didn't suffer trauma. He may have, but like I said, to jump into the lawsuit pool already is completely fucked up. It's it's embarrassing. But what can you do? This is the this is the country we live in where it's easy to sue for anything and everything possible. It's disgusting and embarrassing. Simple as that. Um, I really. I'm just bummed out by the entire situation, like I said, because it's it's ruined um, what was to be a, a very special film. You know, it was the last film in Nolan's trilogy, and now, like I said, it's tied to this terrible tragedy. But the fuck can I do? I'm just a guy behind a microphone. Anyway, let's get into some MMA. I know Ben is on the line, and we got lots to discuss. All right, let me just bring Ben on real quick. Ben, what's going on, brother? What's up? Welcome back. Let's get right into the party. Let's get right into the party. Let's talk about UFC 149, which has been 
just shit on by everybody for multiple reasons. Shitty cards, shitty fights. Um, let's let's just get the broad stroke. Of, let's get the broad stroke out of the way. What did you think of, of the entire card overall? Um, let me just say that you can't. The original card for UFC one hundred forty nine was far, far, far better than the card they ended up having to have. Um, a lot of the reason that the main card uh, ended up sucking is because of the huge, I think it was like nine fighters that ended up falling out of fights on the card. I think it was something ridiculous. Like They had to change like the entire main card. Um, all that being said, uh, the card, the main card at least, was quite quite bad. There's, there's no getting around it. The, the best fight on it was uh, like Matt Riddle and Chris Clemente. And that was it. Like that—that that was the only the only fight on that card outside of the main event that I would ever go back and watch. Because uh, the James Head uh, Brian Ebersol fight was pretty bad. The Czech Congo Sean Jordan fight was horrible. And huh. also, why I don't think heavyweights outside the top ten should be allowed on main cards. <laughs> and um, the Longboard fight was pretty bad, and the main event was so one-sided that though it wasn't a bad fight, it was extremely one-sided, so it kind of became bad. You know what the worst part of it all was? It's the fact that, and we'll go into this a little deeper in the in the segment, but even Dana White said it was bad, which is insane. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I mean, go ahead. I mean, it was bad. He, he couldn't choose it, Cody. I mean, it's not like, sometimes like when a, when a card is, there's always a saving grace on a lot of cards. There was no saving grace on this card's main card. There was nothing to be happy about. It was a bad card. Yeah, from start to finish, it was fucking shit, dude. I was like, you know, minus a couple of fights, which which I want to reference. Um, one fight in particular, the uh, Brian Caraway fight, surprisingly, against against Mitch Gagnon, was was pretty impressive. I think, you know, Caraway got back in the winning column, especially coming off the Ultimate Fighter with that rear naked choke victory in round three. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting fight, but it was very competitive. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty it was a pretty good fight. Um um I liked it. Uh the like I said, the the, the um the undercard was great. I mean the Brian Caraway fight was pretty back and forth, pretty fun. Um uh, the uh, Francisco Rivera fight, while I'm not really back and forth since he whooped that dude's ass, um, wow, his name completely escaped me. Roland DeLorme. Uh, that was Roland DeLorme. Roland DeLorme. Yeah. Uh, he whooped Lauren <laughs> DeLorme's ass. Um, that was a pretty good fight. Um, the uh, Ryan Jimmo, dude. Ryan, Record Ryan books. <laughs> his, his, uh, whew, he knocked Anthony... You know, you you played with Plato when you were a little kid. Of course, like Ryan Jimmo's face looked like someone punched him, punched Plato in the face. Up, uh, punched, made his face out of Plato, punched it, and just left it there. <laughs> like he was done after one punch. You mean Peroche? Uh, Jimmo Jimmo dropped yeah, the Peroche. punch. Yeah, I don't per- know what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, I was. Yeah. It was ridiculous because that overhand right that he touched him with was just bananas. Because that's a lot of power. In one shot. It wasn't even like he ran out and set up the overhand right. You know how some guys, they step into the sh- they step into the shot to put all their power behind it. He he came out of it yeah. kind of like from a weird angle and just put him to sleep. 
Yeah, Ryan Jimmo, I mean, I've, I've seen him fight before. Uh, he was kind of known as a boring fighter before he got in the UFC. He, he uh, kind of um, didn't do that. He didn't start out that fast and just hit dudes like that. But uh, he came out and, and wanted to make a statement in the UFC, and he did. I mean, he tied, I think he tied the fastest knockout uh, ever, so. Yeah, he did. He, um, seven seconds. I, you know, yeah. I, I was just impressed because it was one of those things that capped off like I said, a lackluster card. Like when people talk about that card, that guy, that card was wasn't good. But that Ryan Jimmo knockout was nasty, or that Francisco Rivera knockout was nasty too. I mean, even even yeah. the Riddle fight was really good, especially you know he's Matt Riddle made sure um, he's talking about wanting to face um, oh, what Dan the hell is this? Da- Dan Hardy, and and you know that 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 fight should happen just because that would be a great fight. I think those guys could put on an exciting fight. It'd be a fun fight. I mean, it can't happen right now because Dan Hardy's fighting on the card in Nottingham. Yep. Um, so it, it won't happen anytime soon. But it'd be a fun fight to watch. The the fight that got me, man, the the Czech Congo Sean Jordan fight, only because I've always felt that Czech Congo, for as big as he is, and as much as they try to put him out there, he is just boring as shit. I mean, the fight with Pat Barry was the one fight where I was like, all right, he's he's getting ready to put it on. But other than that, man, I was like, oh, this fight is garbage. They tried to build Chet Congo up as this great striker. He's an okay striker, but Chet Congo's game is either taking you down and beating you up that way or grabbing your shorts and kneeing you in the balls over and over again. That's what Chet Congo does. Chet Congo is not a great heavyweight. He's not. And even when they said Deshaun Jordan's fighting him, I didn't think the fight would be great anyway. Sean Jordan's like super short. Like I, I just, I, I, I kind of thought that fight was going to turn into a heavyweight process, which it did because nobody did anything, and they were tired really, really quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, was, and, and then go ahead. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and then the Pat Bear. <sighs> what? Did you lose your oh, train the, of thought? Uh, the, Pat, the, the Pat Barry fight. The only reason the Pat Berry fight was so exciting because he was getting his ass whooped. Like, he, he was getting beat down before Pat, before he won. That was the only reason it was exciting. He was only exciting because he played the part of the punching bag. I really, I really don't get it. You know what I mean? And then people are like, "Oh, you know, it's his eleventh win. He spent more time in the octagon than any other uh, than any other heavyweight." Yeah, that's great that he spent more time in there, but he is fucking molasses in there. He is bullshit. And, and and I don't want to yeah. discount the guy's athletic ability. Tremendous athlete. You know, solid fighter. But he's not the guy that's going in there delivering fights that people are going to want to spend fifty nine ninety nine on. He's just not that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would have really liked the fight that originally him against Big Nog, but only because I think Big Nog would have tapped him. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. And they they're gonna push him because he's built like a superhero, but um, yeah, he, he's not a he's he he'll, he'll never get out of that gatekeeper role, which he apparently doesn't know what a gatekeeper is. Uh, if you watch the press uh the uh press conference, he he doesn't even know what that is apparently. Well, it's he fun. Has no idea what a gatekeeper is. <laughs> well, it's funny because because Josh from uh, MMA Pulse and MMA Valor, one of our content partners, said it that Congo equals gatekeeper, and he said more times in the octagon means more decisions. 
Yeah, he, he, he's been in the UFC a long time to do absolutely nothing. Accomplish nothing. Dude, he hasn't accomplished shit. He's never been in contention. He's never been no. one of those guys that you go, oh, he wins two more fights. He's getting a title shot. He's just there. Yeah, he he's taking up a roster spot. I mean, he he's a gatekeeper. He, he His job is if you think you were good enough to get up to that, uh, that, uh, Cain Velasquez, uh, Fabricio Verdun, uh, Junior DeSantis, Dallas Overeem level, those kind of guys, you need to beat Chet Congo. Because if you're not good enough, he's going to clinch up with you, he's going to beat you in the balls a couple times, and he's going to win and make an extremely boring fight. That's it. <laughs> well, let's talk about our, our, our buddy, Hector Lombard. You know, you and I have been talking on the fan page and, and just casually about his debut in the in the UFC, you know, you wrote a, a really great piece about him when he signed with Zufa, and we were waiting for him to come in there, dude, and drop napalm. And it just it just didn't happen, man. Tim, Tim Bocek handled his business, man. He knew how to play the game. He played it well. Some people felt that Lombard got robbed in the fight um, because he they felt that Lombard did engage a little more. I, I think, honestly, Lombard may have had octagon jitters. You know, you're coming in, and not to say that he that Bellator isn't a big show, but you got to think, you're walking into Bellator, you're walking into a, a smaller arena, maybe a casino, and you're getting a, a, a pump crowd. You're walking into the UFC, you know, you're getting 50, 50 60,000 people just going ape shit for you. You know, with security escorting you out. It's not like in Bellator where you kind of just come out, or even in Strike Force where you kind of walk through the platform. Here you're being escorted by security and all this stuff. I kind of feel that the bright lights of the Octagon played a, a big factor, and he didn't want to look bad in his first fight. Um, I think it's some of that, and I also think it's also Hector Lombard against better middleweights. Um, <laughs> he's not fighting Nico Vitale's and um, uh, Trevor Pringles in the world. Uh, Hector Lombard, great fighter. I think he's a top 10 middleweight. I never thought he was going to be a champion. He's entirely too short to do anything in that silver. But um, his style, we kind of got spoiled watching what he did in Bellator. Not the people out with one punch. He's got obscene amounts of power in his hands. The problem is, a lot of times, if, if some of his old, uh, some of his fights against dudes that don't aren't dumb enough to just stand there, fights kind of end up looking somewhat like the Trevor, um, the uh, Tim Boach fight. I thought personally that he won the Tim Boach fight. Could he have been a little bit more aggressive? Yes. Uh, but he, Hector Lombard is going to win more fights in the UFC than he loses. Uh, and I do think it was some octagon to this because I, I personally believe he should have not rushed um, Tim Boats, but kind of pressed him more, pressed, pressed him more because Tim Boats was just kind of moving away a lot. It, it just seemed like he was freaked the hell out. By, like, he got hit a couple times and was, like, freaked out, like, yeah, we're, I'm not standing in the pocket. Because Tim Boats normally kind of fights like it's a hockey fight. Like, he's trying to clinch up with you and throw uppercuts. He wasn't trying to do that with Hector Lombard. So, I personally think Lombard won, but I, I personally think that after this fight, they'll probably match him up with like somebody like Mark Munoz, who, if Hector Lombard touches on the channel once, is going to face plan anyway. So, just build him <laughs> back up. And um, he'll, he'll be okay. Uh, it was out of contenders. I, I personally, there's going to be fights like this with better middleweights, but there's, more times than not, he's gonna he's gonna play better than this. I think the funny part, 
I think the funny part, and, and, and you pose an interesting point, was, you know, he's fighting he's fighting better competition, which uh, you can look at both ways. I mean, Bellator had, had solid guys in there, but Lombard had, had an amazing win streak. So a lot of these guys, they come in from other organizations, and, and that first fight in the octagon, um, most times, I'd like to say at least 80% of the time, they're shit. You know, I mean, yeah, except I mean, except when Rampage came in, you know, and he fought um, Marvin Eastman. Yeah. You know that was that was a coming out party. He opened him up like a can opener. But most of these guys that come in with a, with this huge amount of fanfare and all this hype, the the amount of pressure that's on them to deliver makes them fight safe. Either because they don't want to become part of somebody else's highlight reel, or they just don't. They they're concerned about looking good in their first fight. I think it was a little bit of that. I don't know if it was fighting safe with Lombard because he he did hurt him a couple times. It, it's it's no, I just mean fighting safe, fighting oh. safe in the sense that let me not rush in there because I don't really know how the level of competition is here. You can watch you can watch hours and hours of tape, dude, but you know as well as I do. Sometimes you run in there trying to pull some slick shit and you're getting put to sleep. Just ask Chael. <laughs> just ask Chael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, Uriah Faber, you know, he, he, he got, I don't want to say he got served in this fight, but Henan Burrell really pulled the uh, a page out of, you know, Jose Aldo's book, bringing, bringing it to Uriah Faber, using the leg kicks, um, you know, trying to use a lot of leg kicks, push kicks to keep it in there and, and keep Faber from trying to go in for the takedown. I don't think it was exciting. The only thing is, I think Joe Rogan kind of latched on to, oh, he's trying to go say Apple, so it must be magical, painful leg kicks. <laughs> I think he landed some good leg kicks. It also helps that he broke Uriah Faber's rib in the second round, I believe. Yeah, he, in the second um, round, when he caught him in the, with that body kick, you can tell that Faber yeah, definitely he, was breathing more shallow in the third. Yeah, and also, I don't know what Faber's game plan was, but... After the second round, when you were like, okay, I'm not going to outstrike this dude. I may be faster, but he's a far better technical boxer than me. Maybe I should take this guy down. That never came. That that thought never crossed his mind. And Faber is a very good wrestler. And, like, at no point did he think, maybe I should take him down. Like, it was just this, this no, I'm going to stand up here and strike and get beat up for the next three rounds. Like, I... I I don't understand that. I also don't understand how he got a round. I don't. What round did he win? Like there was a, uh, it was a split decision. Like who gave him a round? I wouldn't have given him any rounds. I I felt that was unanimous, actually. Yeah, I didn't see a single round that favorite guy. I mean, at best, at best, maybe the third round, a little bit, only a little bit, because you know Faber really was trying to get in there and he was trying to close the distance, but um, I. I felt it was more unanimous decision. Now, the the crazy question now with Barrow is that they're saying that he's not going to wait. Initially, he was like, oh, I'm going to wait for Dominic Cruz to unify the belts. After the fight, his tune changed. He's like, oh, you know, I'll defend the belt. Who do you think would be a good challenger for him at this point? And how do you see a fight with him and Dominic Cruz playing out? Well, uh, to the first question, I think either Mike Easton or Michael McDonald. Um... Mike Easton, I think, would pose a really good physical matchup. Yeah, um, I'd love that fight. Really, really big for 135. He's really powerful, really good striker, pretty good wrestler. I, I would really like to see a Mike Easton 
uh, the fight with him or Michael McDonald, who is also a really, really good boxer. Pretty good. Where is your trigger? Uh, what? Oh. <laughs> we could do this too. Um, uh, yeah, one of those two, because uh, outside of that, I mean, I don't think anybody else at 135 was really winning fights like that because they couldn't get him. They couldn't put him up against Brad Pickett since he just beat Brad Pickett. So I think one of those two. And then as far as the fight with Dominic Cruz, um, I would think that Burrell would lose. But this is only if Dominic Cruz comes back 100%. Because you blow out your knee, especially the way Dominic Cruz fights, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, you're never at 100% but, with an injury like that. I don't care what anybody yeah. says, what crazy sports science they talk about. It's like, you know, his his shuffle foot style that he has just doesn't work. He remi- His fighting style reminds me of, um, I believe it, it was a Jackie Chan movie called Who Am I? And um, he fought the guy that had the, uh, the, the um, that only did like leg kicks. And he had that same yeah. Dominic Cruz uh, shuffle foot style. And the minute that Jackie Chan kicked the guy in the legs... The, the the guy's defense was out the window. Yeah. So, this is barring Dominic Cruz is a hundred percent. Like, he, he kills the needle completely, which I hope that they do that because, you know, they got time to give Burrell, like, maybe one or two fights before Dominic Cruz gets back. Let Dominic Cruz heal up. If he's a hundred percent, I still pick Dominic Cruz. I think he's faster than Hannah Burrell. I think that unlike Faber, he wouldn't go completely away from his wrestling. He has a very good knee tap um, takedown, and he mixes it up so well. Like, he'll he'll hit you a couple times. You'll be, you know, thinking he's about to kick you or something, and he'll come in for a takedown. So I don't think he'd finish Hannah Brown because I don't really think Dominic Cruz is going to finish anybody. That's not really talking bad about him. He's just not that type of fighter. But um, I think he'd beat Hannah Brown a decision. I think... It's just his style. It's a bad matchup for someone like Brown. Yeah, I, I really, you know, I'd like to see the Mike Easton fight. He's like a, just a dynamic, uh, compact dude that can come in there and try and muscle his way through through Burrell's strikes. And uh, it would be interesting to see how that fight plays out. Cruz, like you said, that the knee, that, you know, recovery from the knee injury is is crucial at this point. How he comes back is gonna paint a picture towards how that title unification fight is going to go and not for nothing. I think Burrell is going to go in there and the first thing he's going to do is throw a leg kick to that knee. Yeah. That's the, that's the, yeah, uh, that, you know, that would be the first thing I did. I'm yeah. not touching the leg out. Yeah. There's no, there's no gentleman's agreement. It's like, Oh yeah, that knee has a big bullseye on it. Let's see how well it holds out. I mean, it's terrible to say, but that's how it's going to go down. It most definitely. <laughs> now I wanted to, to touch on the, the Bellator fights, um, I just want to pluck a couple of fights out here uh, and go over them with you. That Ben Saunders, Brian Warren, Ben Saunders, man, every time since leaving the UFC, he comes in there into Bellator trying to kill dudes. Yeah, Ben Saunders, Ben Saunders, he gets that, that tie clincher on you, it's a wrap. He, he's, he's throwing vicious knees and elbows. It's, it's a wrap once that starts happening. I was, I was bummed because of uh, of the of all the times that it didn't happen with the uh, Marius Zaramskis and Joaquin Spirit Wolf fight because you know it, mm-hmm. it, every every time something went down that it just didn't play out the way you wanted to and then when they finally fought I was like all right, all right. I kind of just felt I felt let down not because the fight wasn't good but just because the amount mm-hmm. of energy that I wanted to invest into that fight just wasn't there yeah <laughs> this fight 
the fact that even they have a trilogy is like so weird to me. Like it's like Joaquin Spirit Wolf is I think sub five hundred and Mario Sarantes somehow is said, well, I don't even know if Dream still exists, but he's a dream one way champion. Like still. Um it's weird to me that they even still have a trilogy, but you know, the weird stuff happened in their first two fights. Um the fight was okay. Um it wasn't like some great uh, technical fight or anything. It was an okay uh, fight, but it, it was a bit weird that something, it finally finished. Like, you you almost expecting something else to happen. Yep, that's what I was Somebody waiting for. Poked in the eye, someone break a foot or something in the middle of Just something crazy to happen. Yep, I w- that's what I, it, it's terrible to say that I was waiting for something weird like that. I was waiting for somebody to take a thumb to the eye or you know, just a, a hematoma that opened up and they'd bleed into the eye and the doctor would have to stop the fight. Like, that's what the kind of shit I was waiting for. And it just, it wasn't that I, that I wanted that, but I was at the stage where it's, like you said, it's like, really, these guys have, they've done a trilogy with these guys? I can understand title fights or fights with serious beef, but these two guys, I was just like, ah, you know? Yeah. And of course, yeah, Paul, Paul Daly came in there to deliver. I was... I was very very pumped with his performance. He came in there. He wasn't he wasn't trying to make he wasn't trying to make a statement. He wasn't trying to make friends. He was trying to get in there and put somebody to sleep, and he succeeded. Rudy Bear stood that's no chance Daly, in that fight. That's what Paul Daly does. If you <laughs> let Paul Daly, if you don't take Paul Daly down, and you stand in front of Paul Daly, Nick, I mean Nick Diaz almost found that out. Yep. You stand and let Paul Daly hit you with that left hook. Ain't gonna last very long for you. It's just not gonna happen for you. That that's what he does. He isn't very good at anything else. But standing up, let him hit you. It's not gonna end well for you. It's <laughs> like we better try to get him down. Try to get down. Yeah. So the only problem I see with Paul Daly and Bellator is if he can consistently make 170 pounds for a tournament. He for some reason has a problem making 170 pounds, and it's not because he can't make it. It's almost like he just doesn't give a shit, so he just doesn't try. So, yeah, he's he, very weird he with that. He needs to make 170 for this tournament. So. Yeah, he's very weird with with like con- not conditioning, but just with with fight preparation. Like they never they really they never really go into like his fight camps or what he does. It's just like ah, Paul Daly was slightly over, or Paul Daly has you know two hours to lose two pounds or shit like that. Like it's ne- they never really go into his camps and discuss like what goes into his camps. Like you know, a lot of these guys they kind of share some insight with you, like oh you know I got a new dietitian or. I was training at a new facility or nothing. You don't know shit about what Daly does. You just know he's going to show up and punch someone in the face and go home. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's probably all he's worried about. Like, it, hopefully, hopefully, because this is a tournament format, he'll take it seriously and you know stay on weight. But I, I truly believe, like a lot of times, because he doesn't make, the times he hasn't made weight or because he just doesn't care. It's normally for like smaller shows where he just doesn't make weight just because. Yeah. They're not paying me enough to make weight. Well, you are well to weight, probably be 170 pounds. So hopefully he just sticks to his weight class and I, staying at 170 pounds. Yeah, I, w- I would like that. It, it, I mean, you know, I have, I have almost, I, I'm almost 80 percent certain he will never fight in Zufa again. Oh, but well, he didn't get kicked out on bad terms. I mean, um, with, with his contract ending, it was a mutual thing because it was basically because Strike Force can't give him fights. Right, but that's Strike Force. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, just, like, like. Let's say in January, Strike Force folds. 
and Paul Daly goes on a tear and, and kills everybody in Bellator and he's up for a contract, doesn't renew. It's like, will Dana, will Dana take that risk with him yep. again? I, if, he, if he goes to Bellator Sermon, beats Ben Askren. God, I hope he beats that. Well, actually, I hope Carl Amasu beats Ben Askren. So well, that, he, he's next. I wanted to talk about Carl Amasu, so. But uh, if he goes to Bellator's tournament, wins, wins the title, holds it for a while, let's say in a year or two years, his contract is up. I guarantee you, if he hasn't lost, Dana White will get him. Because uh, Dana White said the same thing about Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett almost ruined the UFC. He's about to be back in the UFC. That's right. But, you know, it, if you're winning fights and you can make Dana White money, he will forgive you doing stupid stuff. Now, he will also tell you, if you do anything crazy, you will never fight for us again. I'm burying but, you in a hole in the desert. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he, he'll make it perfectly clear to Paul Daly, like, if you ever even look at someone after a fight, like, you about to hit them. You cut, you will never fight for us again. But I'm pretty sure that he, if he, if he, if he keeps his nose clean and continues to win, he'll be back in the UFC. I was, you know, you mentioned Carl Amasu and and Ben Askren. That that heel, that inverted heel hook. I mean, Brian Baker was taking it to him, and yeah. and he just he just snuck that heel hook in. I was like, oh my god, the fight's over already! Holy shit! You know, because <laughs> Baker Baker was 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 teeing off. So you know, I think I think Amasu didn't he didn't get too much damage in the fight, and with an inverted heel hook like that, Ben Askren better be careful with that lay and pray. Yeah, Kyle Musu is a very good fighter. Very good striker, very good judo, very, very good submissions. The, the way he set that that heel hook up, like he he took the back, could have suplexed him. Instead, um, uh, he um, he dropped back, sold completely out for the heel hook, and got it real quick. It was it was it was beautiful. I was I was impressed, and I think I think at this this may be the guy that could probably take that belt from Askren, unless you know, like I said, Askren does that smother and cover and keeps his limbs tucked real close. Yeah, I mean, eventually the weight that Askren fights is going to catch up with him. Oh he yeah, not, he almost lost to Douglas Lima. Like Douglas Lima hit him very hard a couple times, and I almost had him at multiple submissions a couple times. Jay Haran almost beat him couple rounds off him, so it's really not... Eventually, somebody's going to beat him. It is, it's impossible for him to not evolve in any way and continue winning fights. This is not going to work that way. All right. Um, let's get into some of the... Uh, switch gears a bit, get into some of the other MMA news. Um, Dana White, of course, after H- Hector Lombard's performance, talking about was already talking about how Hector Lombard should be fighting at 170... Of course, Hector went on Twitter and he was like, "Nah, <laughs> chill." I, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm fighting at 85. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing. And he said it just because I had a bad fight doesn't mean I'm going to drop to 170. How do you feel about that? Because personally, I think that you know he, he was fighting. He, you know, like I said, octagon jitters. 185, he'd be all right. Uh, I really think it, it wouldn't be a bad thing. He, he, he did zero at 160. He's he's fought at one seventy before, and when he did judo in the Olympics, he, he did it at one sixty one. So, um, Hector Lombard could go to one seventy, 
The problem is, I doubt he ever will. I think he likes looking like a little, little Cuban Hulk. Like, I think he enjoys being huge. I don't think he'll ever drop the extra 15 pounds. Um, but if he was going 170, he would be a really interesting fighter there. But I don't think he necessarily needs to. I think if he wants a title shot, he probably should go 170. I think, I think he has a better chance of actually beating a champion at 170 than he does at 185. Well, let's let's do let's do armchair booking for a second. Let's say let's say Rashad drops down to eighty five mm-hmm. and fights Lombard. What do you how do you how do you see it panning out? Like because that's that's a that's a real test there for both those guys. Just because Lombard has all that power plus Rashad dropping down to, to eighty five, that would, not for nothing. I think that would be a great fight for him. I mean, he's talking about oh, I want to drop to eighty five and fight Anderson. It's like nah, kid. It's not that easy. <laughs> You got a couple Actually, guys think, in there that would uh, say I no. I think Rashad will win that fight. Really? I think Rashad will win that fight. I think he's faster. Um, he's bigger. Rashad is a big, well, he's not a huge 205, obviously, but he's a pretty big 205 or a decent size 205. Um, he's bigger. I think he's a little bit stronger. Not more like, I don't think he has more power per se, but I think he'd be a bit stronger. I think he'd be able to get longer now. And I think... Unless Lombard land Lambert, why am I saying Lambert? Hector Lombard. I don't know why I'm saying Lombard. Unless Lombard lands a big shot, I don't think he beats Rashad at all. Um, I would be really surprised if he he was able to beat Rashad because he'd have to land one of those punches. Because I mean, Rashad's chin is not awesome. No, <laughs> but he see people people act like he gets knocked out all the time. Rashad has lost what twice? Yeah, two times to Leona Machida. John Jones. Yeah, Machida did tap that jaw, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, Machida knocked him out. But, yeah, I think it's over-exaggerated how bad his, his chin really is. I, I don't, I, I think if Lombard, Lombard landed a, per, a really good punch, he would knock him out. But I just don't think he would get an opportunity to. I really think Machida would win that fight. Well, here's, speaking of, you know, guys that have come into the UFC trying to make a statement, Vinny Magalhaes. Back in the UFC, fighting Igor Porkryats, uh, made official for UFC 152 next uh, in September. Um, that's going to have the uh, Joe Benavidez, Mighty Mouse flyweight title fight, and Bisping and Stan and Roy McDonald and BJ Penn are also on that card. Um, you know, Vinny Magalhaes coming off his 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 terrible dealings with the Russians. You know, he's ready to fight. You think you think Igor Porkryats is a good match for him as his first fight back in? <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a good fight to come back in. I mean, I don't think, excuse me, Vinny Magulaez is ever going to win a title or anything, but it, Eagle Pokrides is a good test to come back in. He'll probably tap Eagle Pokrides. Probably tap him really quickly. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a good fight. I think it's a, it's a good fight. It's a good, pretty much a tune-up fight for Vinny. I think it's a good fight. He's also a testament on why you never should sign an M1. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Dude Ever. tried to sell his belt on eBay. Yeah, just just don't don't sign the M one. Don't don't deal with them people. Like they're like Russian mafia. They're like the Russian mafia. Just don't deal with them. Like leave them alone. I will tell you this: out of that UFC one fifty two card, as much as they try to make it seem like it's bigger than what it is, that Rory McDonald BJ Penn fight. While you know they're pushing the fuck out of it, dude, I could 
Is is it wrong of me to not give a shit? I only care. <laughs> I feel I bad. BJ Penn is gonna get his ass whooped. I think BJ Penn is gonna get murdered. I don't think that fight is gonna be even close at all. Like, first of all, I don't think BJ Penn is even trained. Like, I really think BJ Penn is gonna. Like, I've seen pictures of BJ Penn recently. Dude, ain't even looking like fat. Like, what are you doing? And then, like, and I get on forums and stuff because I, I love to just see what what the uh, the internet neck breathers <laughs> that don't know what they're talking about say all this. Oh, Roy McDonald's on steroids. Roy McDonald agreed to beta testing. They'll find steroids if he's on steroids. Like, yeah, BJ Penn is going to get his ass beat. Like it's not even going to be close. Like BJ Penn is going to get taken down and get beat on, and then go back into retirement. I I've, understand why you even come out of retirement. Well, like, I I felt bad because it's like a lot of people are like, oh, this fight is going to be, you know, it's going to be good and blah blah blah. But I just not not I've always had a love hate relationship with BJ Penn in general. It's just like sometimes he goes out there and I'm like, all right, he's going to go and hand, take care of business. Sometimes I, he gets on my fucking screen. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Somebody beat his ass already. So I I wanted to run that by you just because I want to know how if if other people felt the same way. So clearly you're in that same camp. You're like, yo, please send BJ Penn the fuck home. I mean, if, you, if you're going to take a fight back, at least look like you're taking it seriously. At least show up to the press conference. Like, show up to the presser. Like, look like you're going to take it seriously. Because if you don't, Roy McElroy, ooh, I'm about to say Roy McElroy. Wow. Roy McDonald has said, if BJ Penn doesn't take this seriously, I'm going to hurt him. Yep. He's dead serious. If he don't take this seriously, he's going to get hurt. Seriously, seriously hurt. So he, he, he needs to be taking it seriously. And I don't think he is at all. I did. I did want to throw a, a quick plug out there for Invicta and their card this Saturday. Uh, women's MMA. They're going to be giving the fight away for free on their website. Uh, a lot of great talented ladies fighting on there. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Hitomi Akano, uh, Liz Carmouche. You going to be checking it out? You going to? Can I expect a report from you? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh... I gotta make sure I can see the thing, because I think it's like a 10 fight main card. Yeah, I, I think, sure I think uh, three, fights. six, nine, I think it's nine, nine mains and four prelims. They're probably not gonna show the prelims, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to see it all. If I don't see it all that day, I'm gonna try to see it the next day, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to watch it all. Yeah, definitely wanna, yeah, wanna see your, fun. your thoughts on it, only because I'll be traveling, I can't check it out, and I was bummed, because I wanted to see some of those yeah. fights. I mean, Liz Carmouche. Uh, definitely, and Shayna Baszler as well, and Julia Budd, you know, she fought in Strike Force, so I'm like, fuck, I'm going to miss these fights, but I figured I would run it by you to see if you were going to check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it, and if, if I get to see it all, I will write a report on it. Sounds good. We got um, just a couple of last things I wanted to throw out there. Vitor Belfort, Alan Belcher, official, UFC 153. Um you think this is a fight that's going to dictate which one of these guys gets a middleweight shot? If Alan Belcher wins, uh, yeah, Vito Belfort ain't getting another middleweight shot. I don't. Why does. I don't understand. Some, some fighters. Okay, if you get knocked out in the first round, brutally, you put on a highlight film for probably the rest of eternity. Why do you think you're getting another title shot against the man who did that to you? Leave that it's poor not, bastard alone. Vito <laughs> Belfort is not getting another title shot. Like, it, it, unless Chris Wyman or somebody beats Anderson Silva, Vito Belfort is not getting another shot, title shot at 185. 
But so, he still got to fight Vanderlei anyway. So I don't know why he's talking that shit. <laughs> you know he got to fight Vanderlei. We still need that fight. He, I don't think he wants to fight Vanderlei. And I don't think it's because he thinks he'll lose. I just don't think. I think he doesn't want to fight Vanderlei because he doesn't think it'll do anything for him. Let's say, let's say by some chance Vanderlei wins. The Vitor is done. Like, just done. If Vanderlei goes out there and knocks out Vitor Belfort, don't. Vitor Belfort just might as well hang it up. Because at this point, Vanderlei isn't what Vanderlei used to be. So, Vitor knocked him out in Vanderlei's prime. Like, he knocked him out like 40 something seconds in Vanderlei's prime. If he gets knocked out by Vanderlei now, Vitor just needs to hang it up. And I think that's why Vitor Belfort is like, yeah, got out of that fight, not trying to do that again. <laughs> Let's do something that might get me a title shot against a dude that had my eyes spinning in my head. So. Well, I, I that's a I'm actually watching that fight closely because I want to see if they start hyping it up like it's some sort of contention fight because that's going to be some bullshit. Like if anybody should be getting I mean, I, I any sort will. of a contention shot, it's Weidman. Or if you want to do it that way, then the winner of of Belfort Belcher should fight Weidman and the winner fight Silva. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really think that's what they should do. Either Belfort, uh, either the winner of that fight fights Weidman. Or the winner of the Stan, um, yep, Bisping fight, fight Shit, so, I'll take either one of those. Either one of those two, but I don't think you should just be like, "Hey, Vitor Belfort win, let's put him against Anderson Silva again." For what? It's gonna end the same way. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. So I mentioned hopefully that's what they do. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take it either way. The other, the other thing I wanted to run by you, I mentioned on the fan page, of course, Frank Mir. Uh, heading to Strike Force, heading into Strike Force territory, into the Hexagon to take on uh, Daniel Cormier. Of course, I put this on yeah. the fan page. You're like, Frank Mir is getting going to get murked in this fight. Why? Yeah. Why do you see it? Why do you see it that way? I mean, Cormier has has great stand up. He has great wrestling, but Mir's been known to be g- delivering upsets. You know, he he has that capability. I mean, remember when Brock Lesnar first came in, all that fanfare, tap Brock Lesnar out, sent his ass home. But Brock Lesnar also didn't know how to fucking fight in the octagon either, but that's a separate story. Yeah, and that was like his second fight or third fight at that point? I think third, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was third fight. Um, basically, because Cormier is a better all-around fighter than Frank Mir. Frank Mir, first of all, didn't even seem like he took a title shot seriously. He was fat. Like, there's different versions of Frank Mir. There's a really big, muscular version of Frank Mir that's trying to be a super heavyweight. And the, and the lazy one, yep. Yeah, there's a fat one, and then there's a kind of smaller, kind of taking it seriously Frank Mir. It, it, he, he just doesn't seem like, if he comes into this fight and is not taking it seriously, Camp Cormier is going to beat him up on the feet, probably take him down a couple times, beat him up there. I mean, it's just not, it's not a good fight for Frank Mir at all, at any point in the fight, do I think he's, I just don't think there's any way he's going to win unless he lands, because he does have power in his hands. He's a big dude. So, I mean, unless he lands like a perfect punch on um, Cormier or he he sweeps him and taps him, I, just, I don't see him beating him on there. So. I, think, I think seeing Frank Mayer head to strike force is, is, is good for the organization just because, like we were talking about, and we talked about this the last time you were here, you know, strike force hardly has anybody left. So it's nice to see that. And I mean to close out that division, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they might send a guy um they might send a guy down for for Barnett as well. Um 
Yeah, they either do that or they're probably signing Tim Sylvia or somebody. Fucking Tim Sylvia. I'm tired of him, dude. When I first saw that it was Tim Sylvia versus Corey, I was like, why? Why are we resigning Tim Sylvia? <laughs> Don't do that. Let let him continue beating up, like, random dudes, like, in Idaho. Like, don't. Don't sign him back to the UFC. <laughs> the, um, the we big thing... Like well, I mean, you know, if Tim Sylvia comes to fight Barnett, I'll take that. You know, Barnett will, will murder, death, kill Tim Sylvia anyway, and that'll be that. It'll yeah. be one and done, and we'll be done with it. But you never know, man. It, it's so weird, like, with Strike Force and... And like I said, it's good. It's a good way to close out that division with that type of a fight. I mean, it, you know, Frank, it's cool that Frank Mir took the fight because you know a lot of guys are going to be like, "I'm not fighting down there. Fuck that. That's that's you know that's that's B grade. Not doing that." But you know, it's cool that Frank Mir, company guy, was like, "Fuck it, I'll go down there." You know, if I get my ass whooped, then fuck it. You know, then 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 Cormier belongs in the UFC. Easy as that. Plus, they're probably paying him a little bit extra. Oh, of course. Now, before before we started the show, you had messaged me because you know, of course, there there's a ton of talk about Shogun uh, and uh, the winner of Shogun Vera or the winner of Machida Bader being the next uh, challenger for John Jones light heavyweight title. Um, really, not sure. About, I mean, Shogun, yes, maybe, but Lyoto Machida and Bader. Let's say, for argument's sake, Bader wins. Really, Bader for a title shot? <laughs> really? Let's see, no, you're starting to cut. No. You're starting to get a little uh, wonky. Yeah. Move your phone around a little bit, or. Yeah. Nope. Nothing. Yeah. I think you may need to uh, hang up and call back. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. You're still garbled, dude. Just uh, hang up and call back. Yeah, Ben started getting some uh, some issues there. It could be Skype, knowing them. Uh, when Ben calls back, we'll wrap that up. I did want to go into one other thing while he gets uh, his his phone situation worked out. Anderson Silva's manager was talking about a matchup with GSP being the only fight that makes sense at the moment. Now, hearing shit like that bothers me because when the opportunity was there for a super fight... You know, everybody was like, no, 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 you know, Anderson wants to do this, and no, 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 it doesn't make any sense at this moment. Now, everybody's jumping on that bandwagon that, oh, you know, Anderson Silva doesn't have anything left to prove in this division. I mean, he's still got Weidman, and, you know, even maybe Bocek, uh, Bisping or Stan, whoever wins out of that fight, he's still got a couple of guys. So it's either defend that belt in that division and stop bullshitting, or take the super fight. GSP's coming back off the injury. He needs to unify that belt against Carlos Condit. We still need that GSP-Nick um, Diaz fight, which let's say GSP gets past Nick Diaz and gets past um, he gets past Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz. Then maybe you do the super fight because there's really nobody left in that division. Same thing with Anderson Silva. Either you do the super fight and get it over with and retire, or... You defend the belt in your division, vacate it, and move up to 205. But stop stop jerking everything around. Stop letting your management put all these statements out there because now it's just making you look like you're, you're, you're ducking defending that belt in your division. 
The super fight is going to be a great payday regardless of whether you have the belt or you don't. But I just feel that it's not going to be on that same level that it was last year when everybody was talking about it. Um, I just got informed that Ben is back. Let me bring him on and wrap things up. All right, you good? Yeah, there you go. Oh, what's that? No, um. But uh. Yeah, how do you uh, see the um the light heavyweight situation going? I don't understand why any of these four dudes will be the next up. John Jones obliterated Mark Wood. Yeah. He beat the hell out of each other. He broke Brandon Vera's face, like literally. Yeah, Slick was here when Brandon Vera got killed. Yeah, he, he almost killed you on the season. And he chose that Ryan Bader. I don't know, dude, but but that kind of seems. Why would any of these four teams? I would. I kind of understand why it's at this point because though the light heavyweight division is you know considered the the um the main division, there aren't very many dudes that you want to throw in there with John Jones right now because you don't want to throw Alistair, um Alexander Gustafson into him because Alexander Gustafson would get ripped up, and you don't want to kind of mess up. You don't want to throw him off that badly yet, you know. Like you want to, you want to let the prospect be groomed a bit. So I understand why they're at this point. That being said, it's stupid because none of these dudes are interested. Like, how are you going to sell those fights? No, I think that, that's I've... my whole problem. Like, you can't sell them. Well, you know what the thing is? Maybe the Shogun fight, maybe, you know, shot at redemption type shit. But definitely, not. let's say Brandon Vera beats Shogun. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't. That will be violent. Yeah, that would... I would, I would watch it just because I like violence. Like, oh, no. I watch I'd, it just to see what John Jones does to him. I'd watch it for that, dude, but that's not a fight that's making me drop 60 bones. Oh, no, I ain't gonna pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, Lyoto Machida, eh, you know, showing off his little finishing move videos and shit. Like, like he's like he's in Street Fighter. I'm like, come on, dude, come on. Yeah, you showing people finishing moves that Steven Seagal taught you. Come on, yeah, go in there and whoop somebody's ass decisively, and then get back to me. Like, do to somebody what you did to Rashad, and maybe people will look at you like a contender again. Because if you remember when Machida was, was was whooping people's asses, everybody was, was on his nuts, like, oh, this guy's the future of the sport. And then the minute that his ass got exposed and and, and, he, and, he, got, and he took an ass whooping from, from John Jones, you know that was a wrap. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I understand why that's what I really do. But it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, who would you have a fight? I, I guess it's him. There's nobody. Yeah, there's nobody. There's nobody left, man. I feel bad for John Jones because it's like it's like you really got to put it on, dudes. It, you, yeah, you know, you got like, he's got to put it on, dudes, and then there's nobody that even wants to get tested. Yeah, like I, I understand why they're not throwing Gustafson in there. Yeah, I wouldn't throw him in there yet either. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be beneficial to Gustafson. You don't want a prospect to be put in with somebody like John Jones yet. Unless you were ready, because John Jones is the type of fighter that will make you not want to fight anymore. Like I've never seen Shogun quit. The never. only I've never seen him tap out from strikes. He tapped out from strikes. And before they called it, and right as uh, he fell to the ground and called, he was tapping out to strikes. Like I've never seen anyone do that to Shogun. So 
I mean, Dad Henderson hit him with a hand. I feel right hand. Both of them are so quick. How can they show me quick? You don't want to pass your own. You don't want to pass your own. You don't want to do that. No, I, I mean, you do have a point. I, I see you are starting to break up again, but we actually are good to go. We wrapped everything up. But um, if anybody wants to follow Ben on Twitter, make sure to hit him up at Blackout89. Of course, you can also find him sharing his MMA wisdom on our Facebook fan page as well. Right? All right, homie. As always, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Hi, brother. See you. All right. I don't know. I don't know if it's Ben's line or if it was Skype, but um, I figured uh, I would, I would, I would fix it so that Ben would not be stuck with terrible audio at the end. Um, I will try and edit that out as best as possible or clean it up as best as possible. Skype is not playing nicely. Um, with that though, we are gonna wrap up the MMA segment. For this week, just a reminder, uh, this week's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite MMA gear, including walkout shirts, rash guards, kick pads, the works. Head over to MMAWarehouse.com. We're going to jump right into some wrestling. we got a lot to discuss, so let's get right to it. I just been informed that uh, Blade and Quark are already holding, preparing to unleash hell on the masses. So let's let's bring the buried boys in to talk about Raw 1000 and some other wrestling news as well. Let me bring Blade in first. Yo, hi. What's going on? Not much. Don't don't talk into your phone like you're swallowing it, because I got to make sure that it's not that it's clear. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. You're kind of iffy. Let's see if it if it keeps up that way. Let me bring uh the captain in. Captain Quark. Oh, hi. What's up? Hello. What is goody? I don't know, man. Raw 1000. Love-hate relationships with it. We got people saying it was okay. We got people saying that it was complete festering dog shit. Some people felt that it under-delivered. Before we get into all the big details, um, we'll start with you first, Quark. What'd you think? Hand. Fucking hand. That is all for now. Just hand, huh? Hand. 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 Blade, what about you? Uh, it was everything I expected it to be. I didn't expect much wrestling. It was like 1,000 episodes. We're going to put in as many people as we can in one night. That's exactly what we got. Well, the thing, the thing that got my attention most was the fact that for much like you said they were going to try and throw in as many people as possible and make it as as nostalgic as possible but the real question that i said to myself was that this episode shouldn't be the measuring stick for raw going forward starting next week is where we're going to see if we're going to get three hours of quality fucking wrestling or if it's just going to be dog shit filler and maybe five wrestling matches a week that's how i saw it I'm going to say, I, I can't agree. Agree. with that, but... 
I honestly don't know how they're going to fill three hours. Honestly, uh, halfway through it, I was already getting bored. You know what I mean? And normally, it, I, I'd be watching Raw, and I'd see, I'd be like, oh, oh, man, we're an hour and a half through. I'm getting bored. I'm ready to change the channel. Oh, there's only half an hour left. I get power through it. And I was like, oh, shit. I still have almost, I have an hour and a half to go. I don't know if I can do this. Well, instead of going through all the matches, which, you know, with a fucking three-hour Raw would drag this segment into the ground, um, you know, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to John first. What was your high point of the night? What was your, your favorite moment out of the entire three hours? Um, that's probably a tie between the DX reunion, which I thought was really cool, and um, CM Punk's real turn, as you like to call it. There you go. What about you, Quark? I know Hand is definitely up there. Hand? Okay, uh, Hand? Uh... X-Pac looking, like, really, really creepy backstage. And, uh, and, uh, Trish Stratus almost barfing on him in disgust. That was nice to see. Uh, what else, what else even happened? The, two, oh, the two-second Brothers Clay match was great. Loved it. Oh, I, I loved the Sonic ad. Oh. I'm going <laughs> to tout about that, by the way. <laughs> everyone know. I think I'm going to tout about this right now. I'm touting as we speak, honestly. Well, well, you know, it's funny that you guys talk about the, the tout situation because... Um, for those that don't know or don't follow wrestling closely, Tout is the video equivalent of Twitter. It allows you to deliver 15-second video posts. You can follow people on Tout. People can follow you. Um, I actually got, you know, I met with the VP of Tout at Blog World. I've mentioned that before. And it was a great service, but it wasn't a service that was out there to the point that the general public knew what it was. But since WWE invested money in Tout, especially for their whole new social media campaign, you knew that you were going to get tout all over WWE Raw. The only issue with it is that they're that they're misusing it. It's like you need guys like Zack Ryder, guys that are personable. I don't know I don't know what cell phone John Cena is using, but I think he's using a StarTac video camera cuz his video quality he's looks like shit. Uh, he's using the same one Charlie Sheen's using. <laughs> super low quality. You're a million dollar pay actor. Yeah, I have a better camera than you. Are you fucking kidding me? How is it? How is it that you know you can buy a 1080p video camera for sixty bucks? Yet Charlie Sheen's camera looks like he was calling us from a hole in Osama bin Laden's backyard. It was complete shit. That's what I was. You thought it was a camera for crack? No, I was. I was. You know that that particularly bothered me. You know the giant Skype logo. It's like we get it. He's using Skype. Thanks. It's ridiculous. Oh, 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 oh. Blade, you are you are suffering from the fucking frog voice. I think you need to, to hang up and dial back in. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I have a great idea for top, by the way. I think every week it should be uh like a, like it should be me and John. Me and John Blade together. And have like a ten second clip of what happened on Raw, and then for the next five seconds we just go. Dee! I that's got it. You know that's what's it. funny? You know it's funny you say that because it. You know they want people to tout. You know, oh, you know, tout about this week's Raw, or tout about the one thousandth episode. It, it's like you know, let, let's tout about Vince's limo blowing up. Let's tout about that. <laughs> let, let, let's tout about Triple H having sex with a dead body. Can we tout about that for a Raw moment? Let's uh, tout about the big boss man dragging the big show on a casket through a cemetery. <laughs> um, Punjabi prison match. Not giving a fuck about Kevin Nash. 
There you go. Touting about Kevin Nash, okay. meaning absolutely nothing. Or here's a good one. Let's tout about uh, Al Snow versus the big boss man in a dog kennel match. How long was that? Oh, that happened. Uh, that happened. I'd, I'd like to say maybe six years ago. Ben, uh, not Benoit, the big boss man was feuding with Al Snow. And for some reason, he killed Al Snow's dog. And they had a dog kennel match. Which was like a steel cage, I believe, on top of another steel cage. Some crazy shit. (laughs) It was bad, dude. It was really bad. (laughs) Dude, your guess is as good as mine, but it was fucking heinous. Um, your, your audio is getting a little weird, too. What the hell is up with you guys' audio? I don't know. Uh, dial back in, Cork. Think maybe it's you? Nope, it's not. It's not me. Nah, dude, my I'm not using any RAM, but fuck it, we'll power through it. Let me bring uh, Blade back in. Welcome, welcome back. All right. Um, we were we were talking about Al Snow and the Big Boss Man's dog kettle match, which we should tout about. No, let, let's not. Let's let's talk about AJ. Let's let's talk about AJ becoming GM. Which, to quote Andrew, there is no God. <laughs> oh my God! Um, that is that is uh, death love. Looking on the fly, that was so not planned. Like I literally believe Vince. Like right before AJ walked out, he's like, she's like, yo, uh, I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna tell you. You're the raw GM. Just go with it. And that's it. You just ran with it. Because a smile and shout yes. That's all you got to do. Yeah, smile and shout yes. And, and blame Daniel Bryan Cassidy. You're part of the fucking cast. Come on. Ugh. I can't believe really, I'm not contractually allegated about that age anymore. So we're going to get buried. No, you, you, you are 100% right. I mean, I think, I think definitely there was some shotgun booking there. But it, the huge plot hole, in my opinion, was the fact that these guys were saying... And we heard this for weeks and weeks that the GM would be the GM of Raw and SmackDown, and yet conveniently, AJ was only announced as the GM of Raw. Now, they does lied. that? Yeah, they, you know, they never met. You know, when Vince said it, he's like, "Oh, she's the, the the Raw GM." Nothing about SmackDown. Nothing about you know the, the GM for 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 Raw and SmackDown. It was only for Raw. How you long? It's gonna be a Sertina is gonna be the GM. You know, it just it just felt it just felt very weird that they didn't mention. Oh, she's the GM for both shows. Maybe lack of continuity. Maybe there are she is going to be the GM for both shows. But I was just like, what the hell, man? That shit felt weird. Maybe because they thought about that like five minutes before they announced it, they didn't think that all the way through. Well, to steal to steal a line from you guys, the end result of of her being the GM was Daniel Bryan getting buried by The Rock. Poor guy. Worst day of his life. Oh, he got shit on. He got shit on, and CM Punk's reaction was priceless. Like, really, Rock? Really? Oompa Loompa jokes. 2012. Like, has the growth hormone gone to your fucking brain? Don't be a bully. Be a star, Rock. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well played. No, it, it's... It, yeah, be a star. Fucking be buried. That's what he was. Be De- buried. Be buried, because that's what he was. It's like, oh, yeah, I got your wedding gift. And then Rock bottom. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Even Stevie Wonder saw that shit coming. The hell? Oh, that line never gets old. 
I will tell you this. I was happy to see the Miz get the IC belt. You know, I was a little, I was a little bummed for a few seconds because I'm like, ah, you know, Christian, Christian could have held onto it a little longer. But you guys made valid points during during the you know the fan page interactions, and that was the fact that the Miz would make a better champion. Heel champions always keep thing interest, keep things interesting. Face uh-huh. champions, fucking boring as shit. See Sheamus, see face. Am CM I the only Punk. who could see a really good like Cody Rhodes versus Miz, like heel versus heel feud? I'd like that to see that. Awesome. I'd like to see that. Totally. Very fun. Well, Zack Ryder wants a shot at the Miz now for the belt. You know, he, he touted about he touted about it. <laughs> he touted about it. Come on. Angle advancement. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> I think I think that we're gonna start seeing tout being used to advance angles. <laughs> I probably right i think i think that the crazy part is going to be that they're going to use tout for social engagement and then it's just going to fall by the wayside like i think the whole tout thing is good but i think it's going to wear thin very quickly in hell clearly oh, buried well, well, you know what the tag the tag team champions got demolished by the Big Show last week. Remember? No, yeah. Yeah, I, it, you know, it's it, it's crazy because the tag team champions don't get any love. the The U.S. title gets no love. Like I don't even. When was the last time Santino even defended that shit? I was just like, yo, this is complete dog shit that he hasn't really defended that belt. Like, please put it, put it on Cody. No, no. Yes, yes, that would be awesome, dude. just like somehow wins the belt and has no idea what the fuck to do with it. He pawns it and like buys out Alberto Del Rio. Shit, he wins it. He wins it and gives it to Alberto Del Rio, and they take turns defending it. Oh my God! They flip coins. Yep, they flip coins like like they did. De- it's, it's a double sided coin, uh, and Alberto Del Rio always says head, and it's a double sided coin. Alberto Del Rio stays on it. Yes. Shit, I, I I wouldn't. <laughs> he has the coin on his shirt. Every week, every week, it, yeah, the coin on his shirt. Every week, it, it is uh, it forces Ricardo Del Rio to send it. I don't know. I I I'd, I'd I'd read it. I know I know the fans would. Dude, would... It's like it's like a segway something through the sunshine. Fuck. I I'm not getting it. Give me give me a little time. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll catch on. So it's, 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 it's
Jesus Christ. Well, Heath Slater, Heath Slater's uh, one thousand episodes of bullshit um, culminated with him getting jobbed out to Lita and her magical breasts. That's what happened to Lita. Lita, Lita, job that helped job out the one man band. No, that was not the one man band. We saw the one man band oh, at the board. That was the one man band, dude. Yeah, was, he kind of not the one man band. Just saying. I will. Yeah. I, go ahead. He's, uh, the fact that he puts on better matches than the U.S. championship, the tag team champions, and most even Sheamus, he has more interesting matches than Sheamus. is a problem. Well, you know what was funny, man? Bradshaw Bradshaw gave him the... It, it's like, that clothesline he gave him, it's like he didn't even bother to prep him. He's like, yo, I'm just going to knock the shit out of you. Heath Slater, Heath Slater no. really, really looked like a child abuse victim when that match was over. Not this game, though. That Heath Slater, now he's been uh, jabbed thousands of times. Not this game, now. Well, you know what the funny... What? The the funny part is Heath Slater gets more TV time than Zack Ryder. I'm sa- that's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, because Heath Slater's awesome, dude. <laughs> He's gonna fight uh, Flo Rida at SummerSlam. Oh my God! If that if they even yeah. continue that, I'm gonna fucking throw up on myself. It was bad enough that they were dude, teasing. You see Flo Rida come out. Come on, no, Flo Rida's gonna come out and challenge him at WrestleMania 29. I'm calling it. Dude, it's bad enough that they're teasing Daniel Bryan and Charlie Sheen. Do I smell a tag team match? Oh, well, oh my it, God! Flow Rider and Charlie Sheen. God damn! He's Slater. I can just Hell. I can see the ratings. They're everywhere. That shit should be shown on uh, YouTube, please. and it should only be through private invite. No, it should be on tout. It's only fifteen seconds long. On <laughs> tout! Oh my God, dude! We're gonna have a tout match. <laughs> fifteen minute burial, dude. That's I mean, fifteen second burial. Bam! We'll just tout a burial for next month. That's it. Buried. Uh, buried tout editions. That's it. Fucking fifteen well, seconds. Heat Slater, you're garbage. Yeah, you, you, you End the video. When I said, go ahead. Talking. Okay. So I missed it when you were away. I said that each week you and me should um find a ten second clip on wall that we didn't like, and then for the last five seconds we just go, ha, and that's it. That's our barrel for the week. For tout. Can you dig it? <laughs> yes. Can you dig it, sucker? Uh, yeah, we got to get working on that like now. <laughs> Okay, I, we will. I I can dig it. The only thing the only thing that I can see with that is that you're gonna run out of material very quickly. You're gonna have to do touts for every segment. Oh, we won't. No. It's three hours of raw. You know how many touts that's gonna be? Oh, Triple H no, came no, out. No, no, no. Simply seven. We do. No, we do a burial, right? We do a buried article, and then we find the worst part of raw. You know what I mean? It's like the absolute one worst part. You know what I mean? I can see that. Shit. All right, the uh, CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank cash-in match, we know was going to end with shenanigans. We had the big show come out, we had John Cena fucking hulk up and almost win the belt, and the Rock the rock for the save, and then the Rock got clotheslined and sold it like he got shot in a drive-by in South Central Los Angeles. Dolph Ziggler has been giving out lessons on selling moves. Seriously, dude. There were too many good stuff on that night. Dude, The Rock was crawling like he was dying. Like he like he was in Inglorious Bastards and got shot by the Germans. 
Like, yo, what the hell, dude? He's crawling. I was waiting for him to try and grab CM Punk's boot. You know, like the real dramatic, like, come back, come back type shit. <laughs> Seriously, that's how it looked. Terrible. The CM Punk turn, though, was good. The only thing I only, I hope is that they really pull the trigger on him versus The Rock. And they don't and they don't fucking do some bullshit like I was reading that they were talking about that um you know P- Punk will lose the belt to the Rock at the Rumble and then Cena's going to win the Rumble to challenge the Rock at WrestleMania. That'll be such horse shit if they go that way. Gay. That's that I I read it and I was like that's going to suck. Wait, the Rock up of the Rock like couldn't have the belt because isn't he like doing his movie around like he's um, promoting G.I. Joe around WrestleMania? That's what I'm saying. But supposedly, so, like he's gonna beat Punk fuck? again. He's gonna beat Punk allegedly. Cena's gonna win the Rumble, and then that whole once in a lifetime uh, stipulation that they had said would be null and void because Cena won the Rumble. Ah, yeah. I don't know. I was I was not I was not digging that shit. Like, like yeah, you know, I'm just gonna come back because because you know I'm the savior of the WWE and I'm gonna cash. I'm gonna come and say I'm gonna fight the champion at the Royal Rumble. I just felt that it seemed so petty, and I think that if they're smart, CM Punk will reference that on Monday. I think the only reason The Rock takes such big breaks between his appearances is to uh, think of new nicknames to call people when he gets back. And a new catchphrase to put on macaroni, bubaloni. Yeah, that sad but true. I think I think he goes home, writes up as much material as possible, and then, or either that, or he has one of those dart boards that you throw the Velcro balls at, and they say like jabroni, <laughs> oompa loompa, your mom's box, and um, he just throws balls at it, and, and he figures out you're a jabroni that came from your mom's box. You know, like shit like that, because seriously, some of trending. Yeah. And then he makes sure that the shit is trending. It's like, I understand like rock can be trending, but jabroni Smackdown hotel, Oompa Loompa goat face, which he tried to borrow from CM Punk. It's like CM Punk brought that out first, dude. That's probably why he destroyed him at the end of the show. Probably why. Well, with with Raw out of the way, I want to get into the wrestling news, of course. Well, well, wait, actually, before you get out of that, I have one big beef with the 1,000th episode of Raw. Which is? Where was Stone Cold? Stone Cold Did got it. Did you hear about that? Yeah, Stone Cold actually had knee surgery. I posted it on the fan page. He had, like, a, like full-on knee surgery that he had to finally cash oh, oh, oh. in. I heard it was something to do with, like, the fact that uh, WWE wasn't promoting his show, and I guess he was filming that Grown Ups 2 movie, so he was like, yo... They ain't really helping me, so why should I go out of my way? 
You know what I mean? Well, that that's speculative. I mean, it, a lot. Some people are saying that he kind of scheduled his surgery around that. But I mean, you know, I I, I I grabbed the blog the blog post off his site when I posted on the fan page, and you know, he got the surgery, which they're saying is going to take him between seven and nine months to recover, and is going to be an issue going into if they want to do anything for WrestleMania, which I doubt at this point. But you, you, your argument does fucking hold weight because he does have that Redneck Island show, which they've never talked about. They barely talked about him at all. They, they showed him in a couple of the, like uh, montages, but they didn't mention him whatsoever. That I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're I'm never wrong. They didn't. They didn't really. They didn't go out of their way to mention it. I mean, even even Jr. with the evil goatee didn't mention it. <laughs> evil goatee Jr. <laughs> It's like, yo, who painted your face with shoe polish, nigga? What's wrong with you? A straight shoe polish beard. Like, what are you doing? I was, I was I dumbfounded. No, that, that, that shoe polish beard that JR had, I was like, oh, come on, dude. You're killing me. But um, on, on the wrestling side of things, you know, CM Punk had that whole big thing at the airport with the fan, threw the guy's autograph book in the garbage. So you, you kind of knew CM Punk was not having a good day. But the funny thing about it is that a lot of people have been very vocal about it on Twitter, saying that, oh, you know, CM Punk is he's blowing things out of proportion, uh, blah, 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 that people should be allowed to approach their favorite wrestlers and get an autograph. But the way I see yeah, it, you, and, go the right you know, we've talked we've talked about this, you know, off air. And the fact is that. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. If you approach the dude and, and he's like waiting for his flight and maybe you get an autograph, that's fine. But it's like, don't approach the guy in the fucking bathroom or while he's trying to eat. Real petty shit. What the hell? You guys died? Fuck it. What am I supposed to say? What? Okay, um, I'll continue the joke. Uh, CM Punk was taking a shit. <laughs> fuck, move on with the story, dude. Damn. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> 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 bitching and bitching and I, I don't know an opinion but clearly you have none moving of, <laughs> moving CM, um, CM Punk uh, is an asshole no I'm kidding I don't, I don't know <laughs> I agree with you um, people are stupid I heard you have you have zero preparation zero preparation it's okay I forgive you but um no <laughs> I do, I do have, I do have this particular nugget of information, which for some reason picked up a lot of steam this week, and it involves Alex Riley, and we talked about this yesterday off air. Yeah. And um, Alex Riley was the Miz's protege, and then he they turned him face. He was getting really great pro, uh, crowd uh, response. He was being brought out. I'm like, oh wow, they're starting to push this guy. Maybe he'll be in, in the mid card. And then out of nowhere, they just started jobbing him out. They jobbed him out, I believe, to Ryback at one point, Brodus Clay at another point. And the the reasoning is supposedly that John Cena was cracking jokes on him backstage, and he took offense to it and didn't like it, which um, they said was breaking locker room code among the wrestlers. And because of that, his push took a, a, a turn towards the worse. Let me get this in. Let me get this straight. Yeah, I think it's all crap on Riley. Riley set up to admit when he loses all momentum. Is that what's happening? Yep, pretty much. That's what they're saying happened because, you know, locker room etiquette and, you know, the whole respect thing in the WWE locker room. So, 
basically he has to accept being shit on by whoever, whatever main event guy it is, not say anything or jeopardize his placement on the card. Again, this is all speculation. I mean, PW Insider, WrestleZone, a lot of sites shared this story. And people that have approached Alex Riley to talk about it, he's not really acknowledging it, but he's not saying anything to deny it either. John Cena is an asshole. That is all. This is what I'm saying. I differ from John. You're Alex Riley. You're boring. at what uh, what both of you said Quark Quark is onto something too and that's the fact that you know the Miz the Miz has been very vocal about how he got ribbed you know they made him get dressed in the hallway Uh, he got dressed in a janitor's closet for Raw one night but he's back you know what I mean like he got you might not like him but he took his shit he got his WWE championship he had one WrestleMania in the point he got all these things and that's, what, that's just how it is. That's how the locker room is. John Cena is like the boss, like almost like the boss in the locker room. And but he's not. He's, a, he's I, another guy getting a paycheck just like Alex Riley. Yeah, dude, he's he's the one getting quadrupled the fucking price of Alex Riley. Dude, it's still like a like uh, it's it's kind of like a moral thing. Like I'm not going to sit here and let you talk crap on me. And, and like standing up for yourself shouldn't be painful. Well, who gives up? Fuck. That'd be like you cracking a joke on me. I say something to you, and, and like Akuma stops me from writing Barry. Like, no. It's stupid. What are you talking about? That's a, it's that's the exact same thing. It's a what? different situation, Blake. But you're not. Well, you know. Well, hold on, hold on. compare Xbox Live Chat to, to backroom politics in the WWE? Hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Before you, before you guys get carried away, you got to look at it from this, from this avenue. And, and and I can see why Alex Riley's not talking about it. WWE's built this whole big Be A Star campaign about bullying. And if Alex Riley speaks up that John Cena bullied him, that entire ah. campaign goes out the fucking window. Yep. You see what yep. I'm saying? From a business standpoint, yeah. I can see why Alex Riley's keeping his mouth shut. Now, in terms of backstage politics, you, you gotta kinda pay your dues. Facts are facts. Yep. And, you know... Alex Riley's still pretty new to the game, and not for nothing, he didn't do himself any favors copping that DUI, which is, I'm sure, a reason yeah. why he was getting clowned. So, dude, it's like, dude, you kind of did fuck up. You got to eat it for a little bit. John Cena's a hypocrite. Maybe he is. Ow. But but you Ow. know what? You can't jeopardize the Be A Star campaign with that. Like, like Kenny Doan, you know, from Re- Spirit Squad Reject, says that John Cena's an asshole. And maybe yeah. he is. Maybe he is, dude. He may. He might just be that asshole. But when, when, but when Vince McMahon looks at that paycheck that he gets from pay per views and merchandise at the end of every month, John Cena's shit has the most zeros behind it. Versus Alex Riley, who you know comes out and has a match with Ryback. 
you're both right. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disputing either argument. You know, Blade is right in, in the extent that, you know, it's a place of employment. You're there to work and, and you're entitled to defend yourself. It's not like he punched John Cena in the face. He was just like, dude, that shit ain't funny or whatever, or however it panned out. But to, to give weight to Quark's argument, you know, you got to pay your fucking dues. I just feel that, that I just feel that that entire locker room is run like a, a lunchroom in junior high school. My theory behind it is that Alex Riley came back and said, you know what, John Cena, I fucked your wife. Now go divorce her. That's what I think. <laughs> well, not for nothing, dude. That, that, would be a, <laughs> a, that would be a good enough reason to not get pushed. And then I'll probably screw you up for quite a while. But another guy who was actually quite vocal about his push was Zack Ryder. He did an interview uh, this week for Comcast. And I felt that he, he actually like like broke broke code because he said that you know his feud with Kane and Eve was like the weakest part of his career he said that it didn't do him any favors he said um he said my feud with Kane and Eve basically killed my career so I turn around and get revenge on them it was something I needed I hopefully it'll get the Rider Revolution back on track do you think that that he's he's justified in saying that Kane and Eve killed his killed his career at that particular yeah, absolutely. You're going to real hot before that whole crappy storyline came down. Yeah, it killed him. You don't see that anymore. If you go to the DM of SmackDown, I'm telling you twice. Oh my god, yeah. Of course. Well, the, shi- the shit that killed me was the fact that every time he got shit on in a match, Eve was behind it. It's like, dude, wow, you're getting jobbed out to a girl. Oh, yeah, he's just earning a paycheck, but I do agree his feud with Kane just had a terrible payoff, especially because they didn't even do anything to close it out at, like, WrestleMania or something big. No, I, um... Yeah, you know, Zach Zack Ryder's a guy, he has a tremendous upside, he's he's socially savvy, and he, he's a he's a solid mid card dude. I mean, you know, they dropped the ball with him. I think partially it's because the WWE is kind of butthurt that they had nothing to do with the success of his character. He built his character himself. Oh, well, I'm not sure because it kind of stuck his show and uh and you know it's it ain't like before we watched it, it was like, this is a funny show about a dude who is on the very bottom of the tunnel. And now it's like, oh, this is corporate dribble. Like, I guess, it, it, the, uh, I guess WWE, like, took control of his, uh, his show. And now it's just, it's not good. Yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 they took control of it. What was that, John? You can leave the, you can leave that off and off. Well, the, the funny yeah. thing about, the funny thing about that is that, WWE sees him as a guy that can help build their brand. And the problem is that depending on who's writing Raw that week, one week he's doing really good, another week he's just getting shit on. Well, yeah, he is like the WWE's face of like social media. You could bring up Tom again, you go and shout, and there's a little like hand holding an iPhone. And guess who's guess who's face is on the iPhone? Zach Ives. Yep, and then they go and they feed him to Alberto Del Rio, the most boring guy ever. 
So basically what you're saying is they're not using him for his wrestling, they're using him for his popularity. That's pretty much it. Well, somebody who got used for their popularity and realized that they can take their talents elsewhere was uh, TNA's... Well, besides LeBron James, uh, TNA's Velvet Sky got her release from Impact. So she is officially a free agent joining her beautiful people uh, tag team partner, Angelina Love. Uh, oh, yeah, she has Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, somehow, somehow I, see them, I see them in the WWE within the year. Don't worry, they'll replace them with two random WWE divas. TNA will pick them up and they'll be fine. You're not going to miss them. Well, here the the crazy thing is Kelly 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 Kelly's going on record supposedly as saying that she wants to work a reduced schedule and is not coming back full time. Who cares about Kelly Kelly? I don't. I mean, but the thing is that they did all this work to build her up as like the face of the division and you know the mainstream diva that they used to sell everything, and now she's just like, "Gee, thanks, I'm out of here." She kind of represents the entire Divas division. It's just gone. When was the last time they had a Divas match? That terrible Never. match at the pay-per-view. I don't remember that because you know what? It probably sucked. And Karma also got her release. She actually got released. Oh. So she's officially gone. Official now she's not coming back? Nope, not coming back. She confirmed that she was released. Um, supposedly there's a door open for her return. And what a lot of people are saying is that there were issues about her weight that they wanted her to lose more weight and she wasn't losing enough, you know, especially after the issue she had, but losing her baby. Um, other people are saying yeah, that, fuck. that she was making things do, you know, she was a head case. I don't understand how the chick was a head case when she was super popular in TNA. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but like her leaving it to me is the official, uh, nail in the coffin for divas. You know what I mean? It's, it's done. It's over. You know what I mean? Well, people are saying people are saying that they signed Sarah Del Rey from Ring of Honor to fill the gap. Now that um, you know, Karma that's left. A big gap to fill. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that is a very big gap to fill. I I honestly think that TNA has the better women's division. WWE just has a better presentation. Uh, you know, if they if they want to go back to the beginning and start building their divas up and delivering solid matches. They got a couple of talented chicks to do it. I mean, they got Natalia, Beth Phoenix, Layla's okay. I think Layla's passable. Her wrestling's gotten better. Eve's wrestling is passable. Supposedly, the Bella Twins want to come back, too. Queen Magic. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are they bringing to the table? The same shit they brought when they left. Nothing. They don't run cock. <laughs> yeah, th- this is true. Because he does. He does. WWE already has that by the hole. They're fine. Well, I mean, you lose AJ, too, because I don't think AJ's going to wrestle being the Raw GM. I give her two months as a GM, if that. We, I, was, I was talking with Josh about this whole GM angle, and we came up with a really good idea, and it should be that in order for the WWE's lawsuit by Paul Heyman to not continue and the company go under, Paul Heyman becomes the GM of Raw. Fuck, you know, I love that. Right? That shit would work. Yeah, holy shit. Raw starring Paul Heyman. I can, I can see Paul it now. Fuck it. The Paul Heyman show. That's it. Or, <laughs> or Paul Heyman goes through with the lawsuit and he wins the lawsuit and owns the WWE. Uh-huh. Nah, they can't. Shit. They, Vince again is on the guts. 
Of course not, but 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 doesn't that shit make the most sense? I mean, he is for quote unquote suing them anyway. You know, it'd be great. They can have Paul Heyman there without Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Sad, but very true. Brock Lesnar's, but Brock Lesnar's hit him up for so much money, dude. I mean, he's got he he's like look twenty. I think he's got twenty four dates, and supposedly he's getting five million dollars. Not only that, but he gets to have all those um those sponsors on his shirts. That's just more money. On top of more money. So he's so he's making a, a a hefty chunk of change for for doing absolutely nothing. I mean, his his little exchange with Triple H on Monday was probably the best I've seen out of Brock Lesnar at all. I mean, his match with Cena was passable, but at least he was in ring shape. You know, he looked like a big monster, like he did. His face looked fat though. What about his feet? What was that? I remember him, like, being stopped. I don't know how he's speaking. I thought, like, Paul Heyman just did everything. He was just like a muscle. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman sold that ass-whooping like a champion, dude. He really he really took one for the team because they, they said some legit, like, 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 yo, your kids will be ashamed of you and shit. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman's like, the, like, the, the definition of evil. He's awesome. I, I, I can deal with having him go, oh, bro, I was uh, happy, man. He's just fucking a That, <laughs> <laughs> nice, very, very nice analogy. You know what's even crazier, especially because he's a free agent? Why not just fucking have Flair be the GM of Raw? I, ah, oh, there's a, I can still with WWE, that's why I can't do no more. Well, no, he got, yeah, he got, he got his release from the company, supposedly, like, he's legit, he's good, I think, at most, he might have a slight non-compete clause, but that non-compete, I think, may be the, the standard 90 days, but, oh, they even want to repair to compete, isn't he, like, dead, he's a zombie, yeah, well, but, the way, the way the non-competes work is that, you know, you're not, you, you can't appear in any, um, pro wrestling televised program like he can probably do like indie shows and shit like that but he can't show up on like impact i mean not impact he can't show up on raw yeah yeah no tv no tv stuff but uh, rick flair would make a good gm too i mean not to say that aj is not gonna do good dude but that's just gonna get that's gonna get old real quick crazy old even (laughs) oh man (laughs) terrible fucking terrible Anything Why am else? I friends with him? What was that? Why am I friends with that man? Uh, with the captain? I don't know. Yes. Speaking of which, the captain, for those of you that read Buried this week, was absent. But that does not mean that the captain does not love you, the listeners. So be on the lookout for something special from the captain this week. I love you, listeners. Can you leave a fucking comment? Yeah, the cat. As as you can see, uh, Quark is very upset that you guys don't give him any love. I do. I do have to give an acknowledgement to uh, Mr. Jason Yates, who. Oh, uh, yo, he wrote a very. Uh, I was. I didn't know I was allowed to like call viewers out, but uh, he wrote a very, very uh, thoughtful thing on my Spotlight AJ article that even some of the our people who write very late can't even read. But that's that's very nice of Mr. Yates. Thank you. Andrew, I can assure you, everyone who writes buried has read your damn article. Uh, shut up and quit complaining. <laughs> How do you like it, by the way? You used a lot of my lines. You're, you're welcome. When? when? You're welcome. Well, we'll discuss this off air. There you go. Okay, I can't wait. 
All right, we are going to take a uh, quick commercial break, and um, we'll come back. Blade and Quark may stick around and talk some video games right after this. All right, I had to uh, mute the boys real quick. Uh, Let's welcome our buddy Blaine and his brand new commercial for Born Stubborn Radio. Oh, hey, how are you? My name is Blaine. I run a podcast called Born Stubborn Radio. If you like to hear people talk about things, go to bornstubborn.com to listen to Born Stubborn Radio. It's an inconsistent podcast that might show up once or twice a month, but hey, guess who wins? You do. Thanks. We got some video games this week. Uh, My Take Radio's video game segment is brought to you by Gamefly. Rent all the hottest games. Keep them for as long as you want, including PC games. Lowest plans start at $5.95. To find out more, make sure to head over to Gamefly.com. Forgot to mention that MTR's wrestling segment, of course, was brought to you by WWE Shop Zone. Make sure to enter WWE Save 10 for any orders. Over $70, you can use that until this Tuesday, and you'll be able to save $10 on your order. WWE Save 10 is the promo code. All right, video game news are a little quiet this week for a couple of reasons. I did want to get into an article that I read on CNN's Geek Out Out website, and that's about the booth babes and the evolution of booth babes and also uh, women who dress up for Comic-Con. And the crazy thing about this particular article that jumped out is that there's a line between girls that are genuine geeks and genuine fans of the product and girls that, quote unquote, can't make it as models and decide to dress up, uh, usually scantily clad, to be ogled at at conventions. Now, the thing about this is that this 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 article posed a lot of great points and brought to my attention things that I don't really pay too much attention to when when it involves booth babes and female cosplayers. And and the thing I've noticed, and I'm sure Slick will agree, and I know he's in the chat, is that we have, when you go to Comic-Con especially, you have a lot of great, passionate fans there, legit passionate fans that go to great lengths to to do awesome cosplays, whether it's the that one guy that spent the entire year building his Optimus Prime costume that actually transforms, or the, the guy that's in the mech from Aliens, or the one girl that goes to all the great lengths to dress as Hit Girl. There's so many great, talented individuals there that really are just hardcore fans that want to do something different and be a bigger part of Comic-Con than most. But we also have, and and Slick can attest to this, and I'm sure Josh as well, since he went to Comic-Con, and even my, my wife as well, can attest to the fact that there are some girls that they go and they dress up in specific costumes, not because they care about the the characters that they're portraying, but because they couldn't cut the mustard as some sort of a model, and instead decide that this is how they're going to get their 15 minutes of fame. And Yeah, sure. 
in some cases it's it's genuine, but in a lot of cases it's not. So this particular article um, really touched on that a bit, and I just want to cite a couple of things. Um, you know, the the worst part is that it, it always falls under the the mainstream umbrella when these articles come out. But this article really did touch upon a couple of things, and one of the things that they said um, it's this statement. Flaunt it if you got it, and if you're a geek, male or female, and you're strikingly handsome or stunningly beautiful and you cosplay as a handsome or beautiful character, more power to you. Hot geeks are hot. But, again, the author did state this. What I'm I'm talking about in my article is girls who have no interest or history in gaming or comics and just take nearly naked photos of themselves with game controllers draped over their body just to play at being a model. I get sick of wannabes who couldn't make it as a car show as car show eye candy, slapping on a Batman shirt and strutting around comic book conventions instead. I'm talking about an attention addict trying to satisfy her ego and feel pretty by infiltrating a community to seek the attention of guys who wouldn't give the time who wouldn't give her the time of day on the street. I call these girls six of nine. They have a superpower in the real world. They're beauty obsessed, frustrated wannabe models who can't get worked. They decide to put on a hot costume, parade around a group of boys notorious for being outcasts that don't get attention from girls and feel like a celebrity. They're a six in the real world. And when they put on a Batman shirt and head to the local fandom convention du jour, they instantly become a nine. They're poachers. They're a pox on our culture. As a guy, I find it repugnant that due to my interest in comic books, sci-fi, fantasy, and role-playing games video games, and toys, I'm supposed to feel honored that a pretty girl is in my presence. It's insulting. Is it an abuse in the same vein as the harassment? Not even slightly. Someone dressing up to feel good about themselves isn't the same as guys lobbing insults, threats, and disgusting suggestions and the like at women. Case in point. And this is actually the part of the article that that actually was an eye-opener. There is a website called Fat, Ugly, or Slutty that catalogs insults, harassment, and verbal abuse from male gamers to females on Xbox Live. Reading through just one page on the site made me ill. The big brother and me wanted to go out and pound the crap out of the 13-year-olds who think it's cool or funny to demean women for sport. Is this type of harass- Is this the type of harassment that's deserved? Not at all. Are guys acting this way towards women just as, just as disgusting and base as women poaching our attention for culture? Satisfying their egos by strutting around a group of guys dressed in clothing and costumes? Absolutely. I think these things sully what is otherwise an incredible group of people and bring down a beautiful culture. Now, here's the crazy thing, and I'm actually posting this link in the chat um, because I want people to check out this site that he's talking about. The The crazy thing is, I, I can understand his frustration, and it's true. A lot, of, a lot of times, and we've talked about this on air at length, especially with websites um, that cater to girl gamers and cater to that particular demographic, the fact remains that things like this paint us in a negative light, not only as geeks, but just in all interests. Because you got to look at it like this. You go to a con, you're walking around. Like, we walk around, we cover the con as members of the press. We take pictures of people in cosplay, etc., etc. And you kind of know... What girls are hardcore, genuine fans that go out of their way to create great costumes and and like engaging with other fans? And then you do come across the girls that are just there 
because they couldn't hack it as car show models or video vixens or whatever. The fact remains that this is something that boggles my mind and is becoming really, really a hot button issue, especially at conventions and um, also even at E3 with the concept of booth babes as well. It, it's it's really something that gets addressed, and I'm glad that this person took the time to write about it and express their thoughts. You can actually check it out. I'm going to put the links in the show notes. It's uh, geekout.blogs.cnn.com, and the article is called Booth Babes Need Not Apply. I also posted a link in the chat about the fat, ugly, or slutty, which is just some crazy shit that people write on Xbox Live that you just need to read. Um, I'm actually going to bring... Blade and Quark back in just to help us tie out some of the news in in video games this week. And I also want to gauge their opinion because they are uh, younger than me and they they play a lot more on Xbox Live. And I want to actually hear it straight from them if they've played some games with females and what kind of of an environment it is for them. I want to see what the deal is. I'm curious uh, as to you know, what they're seeing out there, because I don't really play a lot of games that have full lobbies. Most times I just play with people I know, but they go out there, especially I know Blade plays a lot of Call of Duty, Battlefield, and I know that Quark plays uh, Mass Effect multiplayer, so um, I'm curious to see what they have to say. So let me bring them back on real quick. Quark, are you there? All right, let me, let me bring uh, Blade, you there? You're welcome. There you go. So, obviously, you guys heard what the deal is with this article. Um, when you guys are playing multiplayer lobbies in some of these games, are you are you coming across girl gamers, and are they act- actively acknowledging that they are women in the games? In the game? And then there's always, like, the smart little kid who's like, oh, girl, and I'm making, like, some kind of rude comment. It's really, like, normal or telling your place. I actually don't see girls being, like, a, I guess, I don't know what, how to start to put down. It's not, it's just not something I see when I play games online. But I'm not with you, too. Well, you, the, the reason I, I bring that up is because it seems that it's becoming more difficult for allegedly again i'm going by based on what i've read and some of the stuff i've seen for girls to just actively go and play a game on a level playing field with the guys um cork have you come across that playing any multiplayer stuff as well are you in the same camp as blade uh, um i remember one in particular instance i'd say back 2008 2009 and 2007 and halo 3 as i was in like a i was in Kind of like a free fall, like a team game, and everyone's fighting, just kick on the mic. And these dudes are just berating, you know, yelling at her, saying all this shit, you know what I mean? It, it, you closer to that a fat, slutty, ugly kind, and uh, I didn't see any of that, like, yo, could you date me? It, it just seemed like a whole bunch of, like, really troll shit, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't really mean any of it. Fuck, I did it, you know what I mean? It's like, why not? It's terrible to do. People don't really, probably don't think like that unless you're a complete fucking social outcast. But, um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I don't see it too much anymore because chicks who play Call of Duty normally don't even have the mic in. I mean, but if you're in, like, a more, like, open-minded game, probably if you play, like, Mass Effect or something, 
you you probably wouldn't see the uh, the belittling as much. You know what I mean? The Call of Duty is a pool of fucking assholes, like me and Blade. So, Actually, when, yeah. I, when, when I'm in a game with like a girl, like the guys will talk crap until the girl comes in and just destroys everyone. I've been beating my girls plenty of times, and the, the boys immediately treat the girl like one of the guys. Like they, it, it goes away. I've never seen like bullying to girls on Xbox yeah. Live. I've seen, like, legit bullying, you know what I mean? I, I've seen, you know, I, I, I chicken a pink Spartan in a fucking teabagger, but, but it, choking around. I've never seen, like, legit, like, um, like, Jesus Christ. I feel like mush mouth, mush mouth today. I've never seen, like, legit insults, you know what I mean? I just, it's just weird because it's something, especially as of late, um, that we're starting to see more, um, you know, more more of a female presence in gaming that that some of this crazy shit is coming out. I mean, you know, I put up the link for that for that fat, ugly, or slutty website. I've seen, I saw some shit on there. I was like, see, that's the that's the kind yeah. of shit that would that would have somebody show up at somebody else's house. I understand, you know, the the anonymity of the gamer tag, but it's just making the environment hostile for people that want to come in there. I mean, I'm sure you guys, when you guys play Call of Duty or or the things like that, and you get some of these younger kids that don't even have hair on their nuts yet, and they're like, fuck you, man, I fucked your mom! And you're just like, what the hell, dude? Honestly, uh, John will probably attest to this. You see, uh, you see kids getting trolled probably way more than you see women. Uh, I've trolled many a child on this website. Those small children are just fucking annoying, you know what I mean? Like, plainly, and I, and when I was, when I was, it is an Alex Riley, John Cena, child, I started the entire thing. When I was 14, playing Xbox and my squeaky voice, people trolled the shit out of me. And I dealt with it. And you had to find a way to alleviate it back. And you had to figure out, just don't let it bother you. And now, now that I'm 17, I do the same exact thing. Kids today don't know how to take the bullshit. That's their fault. Well, thick, thick skin definitely is a part of it, but... But there's some there there are some lines, dude, that they get crazy. I mean, there was a there was one that that slick posted from from a guy that uh what the hell was his name Chester Candy Car, and he wrote the following: Listen here, bitch, I'm gonna shoot you in your fucking cunt, then I'm gonna go fuck your mother's brothers, uncles, half cousins, brothers, friends, moms, dads, sisters, grandpas, asshole. You hear me? Like like. Like seriously, like who spends that much time? <laughs> With a male, like I'm gonna fuck someone's grandfather. Like this really? Is, this, uh, the link <laughs> is in the chat, dude. I I was dumbfounded when I read that. I was like, really? Can I put flat? Can I pull your flap over your head and become a sugar puff? Serious. What? But th- but this is the kind of shit I'm talking about, and you know what the worst part is that that we can sit here and we can laugh about it, but at the end of the day, it's sites like this that just paint a broad picture that we as gamers are just immature pieces of shit. Yep. And and don't this get me wrong, bad name. Don't get me wrong. You know it's funny in that in that context, but you don't want to be associated with that either. You know. That's the, that's the kind of shit that gets me. I pay you one million dollars. That is, you know, I'll dive up that little room on Xbox. 
they were in the same room with them, that shit would not be going down. Oh no, of course not. It, it wouldn't. But it's just it's just the 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 cloud of anonymity that they enjoy. But the fact that this person wrote out this article and actually referenced that and tied it into the whole thing about you know girls that aren't interested in in comics or games going to these conventions and and dressing scantily clad for the attention of guys who, for all intents and purposes, quote-unquote, don't get laid. The comparison, while I understand where the guy was coming from, is not the same. At all. Because, you know, yeah, some girl girl decides, I'm going to dress like Lollipop Chainsaw. I don't even know who she is, but I'm going to dress as her and go to this convention. I'm going to have guys take 100 pictures, and I'm going to be the star of the con. That's different... Than telling a girl that she's gonna, you know, you're gonna do a cunt punch and stomp her in her baby maker. It's not the same. <laughs> you know that. It's not the fucking same. Like, like I understand where the guy was, was referencing it in context, but it's not the same shit. I know. Please explain to me. I don't understand how I could possibly compare those two. It's like, look. Uh, go ahead. One is the girl doing this to herself. She wants the attention. Yeah, you're you're perfectly demeaning yourself to get the attention of guys. I don't like the people to be assholes. That's just being camera rude. They're assholes. Yeah, basically. There you go. Shift, shifting gears into some of the other gaming news I wanted to go into was um. WWE 13. No, no, no. Uh, this guy, this guy from uh, Webbish Morgan, Michael Pactor, said that the reason that the Vita is not doing well is because it's too expensive for most, priced pretty much the same as the PS3 everywhere. This is what this guy said. He also said that there is not much of a library of games, stating that software levels are still relatively low, so sales will probably be slow until we see more content. He also stated that the 3DS is is unlikely to stimulate weak sales, which which that handheld is suffering from. Based on that, do you think that and and you know each one, where, either one of you guys can can answer this first. That handheld gaming is just on a decline. Uh yeah, it's um. Uh, you have these new systems that launch with barely any games. Like my 3ds, I still have the same amount of games as the last time we talked about the 3ds. That was like two months ago. That's a problem. Since that time, I've bought at least five Xbox games. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, there's, I, I should have more games. Now, granted, next week, King of Hearts comes out, and it's fucking awesome. But then after that, oh, okay, Mario comes out, and then after that, nothing until... Until next week, when they, oh my god, no kidding, go ahead. Yeah, and, and nothing really comes out. And the Vita, um, I've heard I've heard one really big game come, like, I think it's called, like, Gravity Rush. I've heard one really big game come out, uh, out for that since its launch, and nothing really. I remember when I actually bought my first DS, I had as many games in that in, like, two months as I have now. And I've had my 3DS for over a year. You know what I mean? That is, a, like, they launched with some good quality games right off the back. Now, we're a, month, uh, we're a year and a half in, and I've bought one game for my 3DS in 2012. That's Damn. a fucking problem. That's a shame, dude. And, and when did, did, yeah. you buy, did you buy your, your system at launch? I bought mine at launch, dude. Wow. Yeah, and, and, well, and granted, I got all those free games, dude, but the um, the 3DS is a horrible system to play with, dude. You, you play with it, you try to use the thumb pad. It, let's say I'm trying to play all my uh, old DS games, the thumb pad doesn't exactly work. 
it's just it feels weird. The the D pad is way too small for my fingers. I have fucking small. I have a small thumb. Imagine you playing that shit. You know what I mean? Your yeah. finger is gonna slide all over the place. The screen doesn't look as as um as clear when you use DS games. Uh, the battery life is so garbage that it it um I barely when me and John went to the beach, it died on the way home, and I barely even played it on the way there. I didn't have a four-hour battery without, without even the 3DS on. You know what I mean? That's insane. Problem. Fuck. John, you're up. Go ahead, John. Uh, handhelds was never my big thing. My, the one thing that when I heard about the pit with the Vita coming out, the one thing that kind of made me groan was when they said um, the 3D was going to be working with AT&T. I just, my heart sank. Yeah. AT&T is, like, notoriously terrible. Well, you well, do. God, who need, Go ahead. Why, why would you need a, a, a portable gaming system when you have an iPad? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, your, your iPad was, like, full power on the entire drive home, and you were playing, like, uh, you're using an iPad. Yeah. Well, here's... Plus, triple the size of the 3DS, and you're fine, you know what I mean? Like, who needs mobile gaming on a super hard system when you have on your iPad? Well, Quark, Quark brings up a valid point with that, and not only that, but but John also, you know, he falls into a unique category of that he also plays uh, games on his iPod Touch. Now, comparatively speaking, you know, how many how many hours of gameplay have you gotten out of a out of an iPod Touch versus Quark playing on a 3DS? Ask the question. Well, I think was. John, John playing Pokemon is, is is actually a good example. Do do you get at least six hours of battery life out of your iPod Touch playing Pokemon while listening well, to music? On my iPad, yes, I haven't done that on my iPod. But yes, on my iPad, absolutely. On my iPod, I could probably play a game for six hours while music. In your case, Andrew, that your the, that three DS battery life, what'd you get? Two hours, three hours tops? Uh, I would say I get a total of. Five to six hours with the, with the 3DS. And you didn't even have the 3D on, right? Huh? You didn't have the 3D on, right? I had the 3D off completely, and I was at uh, half the maximum brightness you could go to while playing a, a regular DS game on. Damn, that's... See, that's... that's that, that, one bar battery left. Yeah, that subpar battery life isn't doing anybody any favors. And then releasing this XL model, which it's actually releasing the same date that uh, that Mario, you know, New Super Mario Brothers Two comes out. Some people are even okay. saying that they may be selling a bundle with that. Okay. I always understand with all the uh, the consoles, like the handheld consoles. I get the first one, 
I skip the second one because I know the brand third one. I guarantee you they breathe third one out with um with uh second to a stick. They got it. They just did it in. They never did that. They brought the uh, the DS and they brought the DS Lite and they brought the DS XL. I know, no, no, they brought DS, DS Lite, and the DSi, which I got, and then they brought the DSi XL. That's right. You know what I mean? Wow. Well, like, I skipped the DS Lite and then thank God because I got the DSi, which was also pretty dumb. The DSi, but it, it was it was nice. It's late. Yeah, I think I I think the crazy thing with with either of these handheld systems at this point is that Nintendo's relied too long on first-party titles that, that third-party guys don't even want to touch the system, and the Vita's a whole, bunch of sti- a whole bunch of style and a whole bunch of power and just no library of games. I mean, other than Uncharted, Marvel vs. Capcom, which everybody's talking about, and I believe they may be releasing a Call of Duty on, the, on, uh, on Vita. Don't. Yeah, there's going to be a Call of Duty on Vita, I'm hearing. So, you know, at that, at that point... They they they're gonna start gaining some leeway, but the price point is definitely fucking them, dude. It's almost it is almost three hundred bucks. Wow, problem. Yeah, two sixty nine I think for it without uh three G and two ninety nine with three G. At that point, you might as well just buy a PS three. Are you sure about that? Why wouldn't I just buy a PS three for that price? That well, that's that's the argument that a lot of people are are saying. It's um. I'll tell you right now, actually. Let me, uh... I, could, I could get a PS3 with a library of great games for a price of just a console. Yeah, well, that I mean, Best Buy, Best Buy has it... Uh, here we go. If you buy just a console with um, Wi-Fi, it's $249. If you buy the okay. 3G... If you buy the 3G and Wi-Fi bundle, it is two ninety nine, dude. And and you bring up a valid point. Just buy a PS3. And you got to pay for that to use it everywhere during. Like you got to pay like a phone bill for it. Yep, you got to pay a phone bill. Pathetic. Yep, it's it's really crazy. I mean, at least at least with Nintendo, you know, you got the friend code. Even though their online system is fucking bullshit too, but at least you have something. PlayStation, it's like yeah, we're gonna give you this 3G and we're gonna charge you. I believe it's twenty five bucks a month is the is the plan for the three uh, G for the three G twenty five bucks a month to play no no games because there's barely any games for it and I can't even use it as a phone like if, if it was released like Joe you can text with her cool playing a phone what yep that's it. yeah the 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 data connect pass I believe. Is it's supposed to be twenty four ninety nine a month? I'm trying to see what the cap is. Um, My God, regarding regarding how much data you can have, because that's the other thing too. You're capped on how much data you use. So it's not even unlimited data. No, 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 definitely not unlimited data. That's that's the crazy shit. Yo, I'd rather have a PSP go. Let's get real. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> you throw it on the guy. That just. Uh... It's a, it sounds like a big waste of money. That's what it is. You're yeah, just taking all your money and throwing it into a fire pit and then getting a PSP Vita in return. Yeah, that's the shit that kills me. It's like, you know, when you buy a Kindle, when you buy an original Kindle from Amazon, it has a WhisperNet. So you're, it has, you know, 3G data on. It's not, it's not super powerful, 
but it's enough to, you know, get you a game or get you a book. I mean, they should just implement the same thing. I think more people would have bought it if they if you'd be able to do that. Yeah. Even if it's you going into a hotspot, you know, uh, going into a Sony store and doing it that way, you probably would have been better off. But 300 bucks, Andrew brought up the best point. He was like, for that shit, I'll just go buy another PS3. Yeah. Or, an, my dorm room. or an iPod. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, yeah. I'll put it down towards an iPad, which I want to get. <laughs> You'll be a better person because of it. Yeah, supposedly. Here's their, here's their data plans. Uh, AT&T Data Connect passes are month-to-month with no long-term contracts. The two plan choices are 250 megabytes per month, which is $14.99. And it's for 30 days. That starts from the date of purchase, and you can opt out at any given month. Then to get 3 gigs of data per month, it is $30. So that's your bill, yes, man. Enough. Yeah. No, honestly, I, this topic doesn't even deserve our attention anymore. Like, stupid. It's yeah. dumb. Well, the last two bits of gaming news: um, Xbox Live announced that they that Minecraft has sold over three million copies. They uh, had a la- last month. Their milestone was two million, which they reached in June. So, super popular the Minecraft games are. I mean. Have any of you guys been playing it? I try. I tried to mess with. It. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. It's boring. John was gonna buy it at one point for. Uh, uh, he's gonna. You know, he wants someone else to buy it for him. And, I'm uh, not giving my money to Minecraft. Believe yeah. it bad. All so right. You did hear about that? Someone who was uh, who's playing on suing Minecraft, right? Why is that? Oh, I, it's something with. It's uh, I, I want to go. Don't quote me on it. I think it has something to do with this guy who it looks like a company that is really like patent Nazis, you know what I mean? Like they say that Minecraft is infringing on one of their patents, but I don't know if they really are. And I guess the lawyer they got doesn't even know the name of Minecraft. It's called Minecraft. Oh shit. Really stupid. Like I, I guess I guess this this company or this person is notorious for attacking like many companies for no fucking reason. Well my but- take radio. Let's hope not. the The last bit of <laughs> the last uh, the last bit of gaming news uh, and, and well, yeah, Dark Side Dark Siders Two drops um, August fourteenth. If you guys haven't checked out the new gameplay trailer, head over to mytakeradio.com. You can check that out there. Um, Hayden and the rest of the Dark Siders crew will be here for MTR one fifty. Also dropping next month. What was that? I said, what? <laughs> also, dropping dropping next month, the demo for Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Uh, is, is supposed Someone does not like that. Who works with us? I'm just saying. Yeah, it's I me. know. The spoiler. It's supposed spoiler. to... Spoiler. <laughs> Alfred dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, supposed to be, it's supposed to be in stores next month. The demo is dropping July 31st. You're getting two single-player missions, uh, some multiplayer and character customization in the demo, personally, I'm super pumped for it. I know some people didn't like War for Cy- War for Cybertron. Uh, <laughs> is it supposed to be on Cybertron? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know people. Well, some people complained that the campaign was too short. I thought the campaign was fine because you got to play as Autobots and Decepticons, which was cool, and you got to play as some I of hate- your favorites. 
hated the Autobot campaign. She was just so bland. Like, did you, bland did you get to play as the humans? That's all I want to know about. No, no humans were involved. Gay. This game sucks. Yeah. Nah, I, hope dude. They, I hope they do something where they have, like, a Decepticon campaign. That was just to me, way more interesting, like, seeing Megatron's rise. You know what I mean? Well, I liked the Decepticon campaign in the first one only because you got to you got to get involved and fight, you know, Omega Supreme and, and do shit like yeah. that, which I liked. And not only that... The one thing that they did right, which I was hoping that they weren't going to do, which was rely too much on characters you didn't know. Like, you, they made sure you were able to play as Megatron and Starscream and Soundwave and the guys that you really like. And yeah, they threw a couple of lame-o guys in there you could play as too, but you always got to play as some of your favorites, which I liked. Let's go Dinobots. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> The Dinobots versus the Savage Rod. What the heck? Oh. I, I want to know what this reference is. I keep going to. The, <laughs> the um, the Dinobots is, is a huge selling point. Everybody who I've talked to has been like, "Look, I just want to play as Grimlock and whip and whip a lot of ass," which is fine. <laughs> you know? Someone, someone doesn't want to play as Grimlock because Dinobots isn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Well. Well, with that, we're actually uh, going to wrap up the gaming segment, so we are good to go. Uh, Blade and Quark? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, but, don't be a schmuck. Um, I wonder who's the heel of our, of our duo. Oh, we know that all too well. To uh, keep up with the adventures okay. of... To keep up with the adventures of Blade and Quark, follow them on Twitter. Blade is at John U. Butler. Quark is at QuarkMTR. And of course, you can always catch them also on our Facebook fan page. And make sure to read oh, buried. Right. Make sure to read buried and comment on it, or Quark will show up at we your house you. with a you shotgun. Just write comments and your money. Either one. Yeah. Part. There you go. Yeah. All right, boys. I'll catch y'all later. John. Yes. I don't know what happened. They must have had some exchange. They can finish that in the chat. We are going to go into the movie news. So let's get this ball rolling. Um, Slick actually had something he had wanted to share with me. Um, I'm trying to figure out where the hell was the link for it. So, um, Slick, please send me that link again for the movie segment because I have no fucking idea where it went. I think I may have accidentally closed it out like an asshole. So please send me the link again. Um, nonetheless, let's get the ball rolling on our movie segment. Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? I'm Gotham's record. Exactly. See, I had to... Originally, Slick had given me a quote, um, a sound clip of Batman screaming from Dark Knight Rises, and for some reason, I think I accidentally played it when Ben was on, and it was just incredibly awkward, and I closed it out by mistake. So I don't know if Slick is still in the chat for that, but if he sends it to me, I will make sure to actually save it this time. Uh, MTR's movie segment is brought to you by Shop HBO. You can get $5 flat rate shipping on any orders for True Blood merchandise with the code SEASON5. Head over to Shop HBO, enter the SEASON5 promo code, and you'll get $5 flat rate shipping. 
First bit of movie news I wanted to talk about in the wake of the Dark Knight Rises tragedy, uh, Warner Brothers is going to need... Warner Brothers will need to cut and re-edit the theater shooting scene in Gangster Squad. Executives initially wanted to push the release date back and re-edit the film. Now they are going to actually remove the scene because it is actually a climactic moment and it's going to hurt the film's narrative. So there's going to need to be tons of reshoots and significant changes. Now, a lot of people are looking at it as... You know, Hollywood is jumping the gun and trying to really uh, curb all this stuff, obviously, in the wake of the tragedy in Colorado. I think that scenes that are essential to a narrative really should just be left alone. I don't think that people are going to look at a, a, at a gangster film from the old days as something that's insensitive to the Colorado incident. I'm sure that some people will go out of their way to do that. But I just feel that jumping the gun and doing things like that is just, I understand you want to be sensitive to the situation, but I also feel that it's a bit of coddling because people really can't see the um, the connection between both things. I mean, in Gangster Squad, you know, the guys got Tommy guns, they open fire in the movie theater uh, to uh, kill one of their, one of the bad guys in the movie. And that's fine. You can look at it that way. But honestly, I think that the scene is just part of the narrative, exactly that, and should be left alone. Same thing with, you know, them jumping the gun with the Neighborhood Watch. I mean, I understand in the wake of the Trayvon Martin situation, the Neighborhood Watch title was definitely closer to home. But I think in Gangster Squad, given the time and the backdrop for the movie to go that route and 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 want to edit out that scene just because of that, I think, honestly, if you want to do something, you could have maybe delayed the release of the movie a couple of months just for the sake of it not being fresh in everyone's minds. But now, obviously, it's being pushed, I believe, to January, and they're going to uh, re-edit that scene and possibly cut it out. So it's unfortunate, but in the wake of this tragedy, a lot of things are going to change, much like what happened post-9-11 here in New York. Um, a lot of films that depicted stuff, I remember... Uh, part of the Spider-Man campaign involved a web between the Twin Towers and a helicopter, I believe, was stuck to the web. And they took down that campaign in light of the uh, September 11th attacks as well. So I can understand the logistics, but again, it's it's a different type of backdrop for this particular film that wouldn't really have affected the tragedy in Colorado. But again, Hollywood is just playing it safe. In some casting news, Jackie Earl Haley is going to be joining the RoboCop reboot. Haley's going to be playing the character of Maddox, which is going to be a military officer that trains Alex Murphy after he becomes RoboCop. Also joining the cast, The Hollywood Reporter uh, states that Jay Baruchel from Tropic Thunder and Knocked Up will be joining the cast of RoboCop as well. He's going to be playing the head of marketing for OCP. Um, he's going to be joining Joel Kinnaman who is playing RoboCop, Hugh Laurie, Gary Oldman, and Samuel L. Jackson. In some Dark Knight Rises news, um, Bane's co-creator Chuck Dixon actually shared his thoughts not only on the portrayal of Bane in the Dark Knight Rises, but also on Bane's portrayal in the original Batman and Robin film from 1997. In regards to Bane in the 1997 film, he said the following. He said, They had him as almost an imbecile. When in the comics, he is extremely smart. Now, when talking about Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, he actually shared 
some very interesting tidbits of information, which I found to be very interesting. Apparently, Warner Brothers was pressuring Nolan to use the Riddler in The Dark Knight Rises, but Christopher Nolan felt that it would have been too similar to the Joker. Plus, the Riddler, much like the Joker and so many of Batman villains of Batman's villains, is no challenge against him in a fist fight. Batman will wipe the floor with either character in each situation, which is a hundred percent true. Um, the fact remains that Nolan actually stuck to his guns and wanted to go with Bane because he felt that the character was able to uh, work with Batman not only on the uh, physical, but also on the psychological level, which is very true. I think that one of the things, I mean, sure, Bane did sound like Sean Connery in a scuba mask. We know. But the best part of his character was the fact that he was so... It, it was just the unbridled violence. He was super callous, super calculating, but also extremely intelligent. It really didn't... It did nothing to ruin his his character whatsoever. Yeah, sure, the voice takes some time to adjust to but in terms of the way he worked with batman it was it was really well done and i and i admit it i i actually was very shocked that bane turned out so well especially because you're making him the focal point of the movie i was i was very impressed i mean you can read it in the review i posted same thing with catwoman you guys know that i shit on anne hathaway as catwoman from from the announcement of casting and i was pleasantly surprised that she could hold her own. Very impressed. Um, I do see that Slick is on the line, and I'm sure he is going to want to chime in as well, because he also reviewed The Dark Knight Rises, so let me just bring him in real quick. Slick, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? <clears throat> Not much. Um, obviously, the creator, the co-creator of Bane felt, uh, which we can all agree on, that uh, Bane's portrayal in Batman and Robin was complete horseshit, and that originally... You know, they wanted to use the Riddler, which I didn't know. I always felt that they were probably going to reuse the Joker and recast him. But to see that they were going to go with the Riddler is very, very interesting. Now, you had something to add regarding the uh, Bane comparison. So what do you got? Well, I do remember when they first announced this movie that there was talk to the Riddler. And you even talked about it on the show. But, That's right. Uh, as far as what you said about, about Bane... Uh, and the reasoning for using Bane over the Riddler and the, the uh, Batman wiping the floor with anybody else. Even, I mean, Bane is supposed to be very intelligent and calculating because even the original portrayal of Bane in the comics, Bane himself wasn't planning on just going head up against Batman. Yep, he had he a broke plan. Him down hard. He released everybody in Arkham, and it took Batman three months to get them all back in there. And a very exhausted Batman got his ass beaten and his back broken by Bane at that point. I think I think that Bane's Bane's character was very very underestimated by mainstream audiences. And without spoiling too much, I think that a lot of what was done in that movie was done for the sake of keeping the mainstream audience. Um, informed about certain characters especially especially the ones at the end you know that were revealed i think that audiences went in there knowing the essential batman villains you know the joker riddler uh catwoman the penguin even mr freeze you know those were villains that you can mention to anybody who casually knows batman and they have a, an understanding 
of the character. Bane is always one of those characters that they, they say, oh, that's the guy in the luchador mask. They don't really know the specifics of the character, so it was a really big gamble on Nolan's part, man, but he, he delivered in fucking spades. I didn't really think it was a gamble. Like, I, I thought just more because of the way that Nolan was doing the movies that it was a very smart move for him to use not so much a lesser-known character, but a character that somebody who's not like a Batman fan doesn't really know a lot about. Well, that's that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying regarding it being a gamble. Because to the casual bat, the person that knows the Batman mythology, they know, you know, you mentioned to them the Joker, the Riddler, Catwoman. Those are villains they know even from the old 1966 shows. Bane is a character that, unless you're a, high, you know, a, a comic buff or, or a, a person who kind of knew him from the other movies, you have no idea who the fuck he is. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's not a gamble because... The way that Nolan wanted to tell a story, he wanted to use those lesser-known villains. And, I mean, you look at the first movie, he used Rachel Gould. It's like, like you said, if you're not a Batman fan, you're like, who the fuck is Rachel Gould? Yep, and, and, and stories and comic books, including him, saw a tremendous uptick as soon as he was shown. So... You know, people people did their homework, which I think was part of the reason why Bane's character was embraced so well. Because a lot of people started doing their homework. Think about the, you know, the campaign to get this movie out and all the stuff that was done. It, Bane was always shown in some capacity. It wasn't like Catwoman. Remember, the, the reveal for Catwoman took months and months and months and months and months. Bane, it was like within the first month or two, it's like, here's what he looks like. Yeah, and people immediately, you know, started talking shit to wears the mask and all that stuff. But it's like, it, it's just like what you said with shitting on Anne Hathaway. It worked out in the end. Yep. The only I, thing that was, that was messed up about Bane, I mean, granted, was he used properly with respect to the comics? No. But he was used very smartly and very intelligently. The only thing that was messed up was the voice. It's like, I, I was one of those people that, when I get the, the freaking the Blu-ray, I'll be turning on the subtitle because sometimes I'm like, what the fuck did he just say? Yeah, well, I mean, even even with this. What are you? I'm Gotham's record. You know, like, you really have to listen. I do agree. There were, there were scenes where his dialogue was almost on the inaudible. Like, when he was speaking into the, 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 the mic at the, at the Coliseum. I was like, what the fuck that did he just awful. say? I was like, holy that shit. But <laughs> while, while I have you on, you know, we can go into the box office totals. The Dark Knight Rises took in $160.9 million. Uh, one of the best openings for a 2D film, period. Um, it is the highest 2D opening weekend of all time and the third highest behind Harry Potter and the Avengers. Um, the film made $88 million overseas it had a worldwide opening of two hundred and forty-eight point nine million dollars. The film had a budget of two hundred and fifty, so it pretty much made back its budget in the first weekend. Ice yeah. Age, Ice Age was number two. The Amazing Spider-Man dropped to number three, two hundred and twenty-eight point six million dollars. Uh, Ted was number four, which Slick reviewed. You can check out his review on MyTakeRadio.com. Brave was number five. Magic Mike was six. 
Savages was seven. Medea's Witness Protection was eight. Moonrise Kingdom was nine. And To Rome from To Rome with Love was ten. I will say this. I really am shocked that Savages didn't do a lot better. But I think that, you know, R-rated um R-rated films are always going to be one of those gray areas, with the exclusion of Ted. I mean, Ted's already banked $180 million, so. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I said this in real, like, the only reason why Ted even cost $50 billion to make is because of Ted. That's true. One thing One thing I did want to want to share with you is that they, um, you know, they released the graphic well not the graphic novel the novelization of the dark knight rises and a lot of people were talking about the fact that you know the joker's character wasn't mentioned and there was nothing done to it um nolan went on record as saying that the joker wasn't mentioned in the film because he wanted to respect heath ledger's memory but if you read the novel which was written by greg cox it actually uses the screenplay by jonathan and christopher nolan Originally, they were going to put the Joker in as a cameo with unused footage from The Dark Knight. That was just a rumor. Now, in the book, supposedly, there's a there's a, a paragraph that actually gives us insight as to what happened to the Joker. And I wanted to share that with you because, you know, obviously you went to see the movie and I'm sure the listeners would want to know this as well. Um, now that the Dent Act made it all but impossible for the city's criminals to cop an insanity plea... Blackgate Prison had replaced Arkham Asylum as a preferred location for imprisoning both convicted and suspected felons. The worst of the worst were sent there, except for the Joker, who rumor had it was locked away as Arkham's sole remaining inmate. Or perhaps he had escaped. Nobody was really sure. Not even Selina Kyle. So a nice nice little bit of acknowledgement there about the Joker and where, where uh, where he went. I mean... It's nice that it was at least acknowledged in the book. I mean, even in the movie, you could have acknowledged it where they were breaking out of the prison. All the all the prisoners are running out and they approach a particular cell. And, you know, you just hear like the laughter, like the Joker laughter. And they're like, yeah, don't let that guy out. You know, like something like that would have been kind of cool. But I can understand Nolan's necessity to respect Heath Ledger's memory. You know, what I mean, it's, it's cool that they did that, but I mean... Even if you look at the Dark Knight and this movie, I mean, Scarecrow was in all three movies. I mean, they they had Scarecrow at the beginning of the Dark Knight, and he was a, he played a big role, of course, in Batman Begins, and he played a much smaller role in Dark Knight Rises. But um, I would have expected, you know, if Legend were alive, that there would have been some kind of scene with the Joker in the Dark Knight Rises. Of course. Which, you know catching up on what happened after he was captured. But um it's like I don't I don't feel like if they put that footage in the Blu ray that that'll be, you know, a nice nice Easter egg and everything. If they do they do, if they don't they don't. It's not I didn't feel that It didn't detract from the story. It didn't detract from the story. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean you know, going that going that route is is cool. I mean, even if it in, in the in the novel, it's it's acknowledged. I mean, it's nice to go that route, but you know, respecting Ledger's memory was 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 a classy thing on Nolan's part because a lot of guys may have just used all you know reused footage, like in the uh, I believe he was in the you know the uh, Doctor Parnassus. 
they used uh, Heath Ledger's footage that he had already filmed, and then they broke up the role amongst other actors just to flesh out the movie. So, you know, it, you work within the, the parameters of, of how you want to deliver your product to the audience. By setting up Bane and throwing in Catwoman and some of the other characters, I think Nolan gave himself a great safety net with Heath Ledger's passing. Yeah. And, I mean, if, like, if they, the whole rumor that this is the last Nolan Batman film, I mean, if it is, it's still a great trilogy. If it's not, I look forward to seeing what else he can do with it. But, I mean, the only thing I would really want to see done with the Joker, if Ledger did, you know, had lived, I really would want to see them do, like, a Joker killing Jason Todd scene. That would that would have been kind of cool, especially in that but in that. Again, they wouldn't do that because they don't want to have a rated movie. That is true, but like anything else, look how many people Bane killed in 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 The Dark Knight Rises. There's always editing techniques for that. But um, I I did need you here to close out the the movie segment. Check this out, and you'll love this. The Los Angeles Times is reporting that the CW is in discussions with Hollywood right with Hollywood right rights holders of Battle Royale to adapt it into a television series. That's awful. Mm-hmm. One, they'll kill, they'll kill a great, you know, Asian movie. And two, the only reason why they want to do that is because it involves, you know, high school kids. So they want to have their next, you know, big hit tween story. But I was like, Unless somebody gets killed every week, it's not keeping true to the the what's the name to the source material. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. As of right now, the talks are preliminary and no deals are in place. But I, I honestly think that Battle Royale on the CW is is pretty. Uh, you've been waiting for this for a long time, and this is there's no more suitable a time to use it than now, and that's this. <laughs> that's how that shit's gonna go dude come on you had high school kids killing each other killing each other and you really are gonna how are you gonna make that work on the cw of all networks maybe showtime maybe hbo but on the cw come on on the cw on the coward it's network not even that it's like you have situations where you have Kids coming to school shooting each other. Kids thinking they're fucking vampires biting each other. All kinds of crazy shit. And you're gonna put a show like that on TV? Yeah, pretty much, dude. But I had to I had to share that because that was the uh, the the what the fuck TV news for this week. And I knew I knew you would you would agree that it's just a recipe for failure. Yeah, whoever <laughs> thought it was a good idea to even try to put that on TV needs to publicly get their ass whipped. It, it's terrible, dude. It, it it's a terrible idea from 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 theory all the way to execution. Hopefully, it doesn't get past the prelims. We shall see. Anything else you want to add, my friend? No, I'm good, man. All right, cool. Thanks, homie. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, peace. Peace. You can follow Slick on Twitter at mtrslick. Altogether, one word. M-T-R-S-L-I-C-K. 
All right, ladies and gents, that's going to wrap up my take radio for this week. It's our 148th episode for Thursday, January 26th, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you want to leave some feedback, you can call our feedback line 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. As always, if you do not want your voicemail played on air, make sure to specify that at the start of your message. If you want to follow us on social media, you can look for us on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. If you're on Facebook, become a fan. Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. Help us reach 5,000 fans before MTR 150. That's two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Tell your friends, tell your mamas, tell your grandmamas, your uncles, your nephews, anybody who's into the stuff we cover, we will gladly embrace them with open arms. Google Plus, we are there as well. Add us to your circle. Just look for MyTakeRadio on Google Plus. Instagram, if you want to look at Some of the crazy pictures I throw up there, comics, toys, cats, food, uh, rich underscore MTR on Instagram. Last but not least, of course, you can get access to 96K episodes of MTR on the official My Take Radio app available on Android and iOS devices. It's $1.99, cheaper than a cup of Starbucks. Last but not least, you can also listen to My Take Radio via Blog Talk Radio, the Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, Blackberry Podcast, Miro, TuneIn Radio, and of course, Stitcher. Just remember, if you are getting the shows via iTunes, we really would appreciate a review. Um, it would help us get into the top 100 rankings, and that's something that we would like to do before the year is out. Again, if you're getting the show via iTunes, please take a couple of seconds and review the show. Leave a comment. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Thank you to Ben, Blade, Quark, and Slick for their contributions this week. Um, I'm going to edit the show. Hopefully the audio for Blade, Quark, and Ben was clear on my end because I heard a lot of noise and garbling, but we shall see what happens nonetheless. Thank you guys for tuning in. I will catch you next week for My Take Radio 149. Peace. I think we're going to go out with Expander from Streets of Rage 2. You can find that at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org.